What's up, everybody? This is Schmitty with another episode of Talking Schmidt. Today on the podcast, I got my old friend from Texas, Mr. Jake Nunn. Haven't talked to Jake in a while, so it'll be great to catch up with him. As you all know, I do have a website and I do have a YouTube page. So if you feel like watching us, you can go over to YouTube and see some visuals. Otherwise, stick with the old radio format. That's always my favorite. Anyhow, we'll be right back after these messages. Blood Wizards. Blood Wizards. Blood Wizards. Hey, it's Corey at Blue Plate, 3218 Mission Street. Come see us. Meatloaf, fried chicken, deviled eggs, Dollar Olympia beers. We're here every day of the week. We got a garden and we got smiles on our faces. Come let us make you happy. This is Jake Nunn. I'm here joining Schmitty, doing this Talking Schmidt thing. Hopefully this is going to be fun. Hey, hey, hey. Talking Schmidt. I'm already not watching. It's cool. Like, tonight is the night. Damn, this is like the coolest thing I'm ever going to do. I wouldn't say it was fun. What do you mean, bro? Christian Fletcher's younger brother. Fuck the Dodgers. Oh, big dog's in. What do you think, Dolan? John, Schmitty. Talking Schmidt. Alpha macaroni. Most of these guys, their opinion don't matter. Talking Schmidt, right? It's skateboarding. I remember that. Talking Schmidt. What are yuns doing? Holy shit. Skateboarding homies. No, Schmidt, you can't jump in. What is happening? Yes, we Wi-Fi check one, Wi-Fi check two. Here we go, kids. We got another episode today, and today we're talking to one of my old friends from Texas, but he's actually in California housing. It gets really complicated, so forget all that. This is Jake Nunn. What's up, Jake? Not much. <clears throat> Just living the California life for a few days. Yeah. It's a little cooler or about the same weather-wise? Way cooler. It's been like 108, 110 out in Texas. Yeah, that's what I figured. Terrible. It's terrible. I've been working down at the beach, though. I'm doing a, a beach a house remodel for my mom. So it's like 89, 90 degrees down there. So it's nice. But yeah, oh. like you just stay inside most of the days. You know, right. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of swim spots, but they're crowded, you know, and all the huh. creeks, all the creeks are dry. So it's pretty much Barton Springs or, a you know, a chlorinated pool. You're still in Austin or outside of the town? Uh, Yeah, I'm in, technically in Austin, but technically not in Austin. I live like right. Uh, the lake that runs through there is Town Lake. They now call it Lady Bird Lake. Mm. But I live I live a little upstream, which is actually um, what would they call it? I guess it's Lake Austin. And I live, you know, a few blocks from there. And we moved out there because it's kind of a, you get power from the city, but you pay, you know, you have separate trash services and there's no, um, everything's on septic systems. So it's kind of crazy. Wow. Is the septic, yeah. So if something goes out, you're kind of screwed temporarily. Yeah. Usually you just, the first thing you do is you have somebody come pump it. Like if it's overflowing or not working, then yeah, you have somebody come pump it. But, uh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm renting a small house that, I mean, I've never even seen evidence of any septic field because it's so dry right now. So, and the house is really old. I mean, it has window units and shit. It's like, if I'm not there with the window units on, it's like a hundred degrees in the house. So, Damn. so it's kind of gnarly. That's <laughs> super gnarly for me, but I'm sure you acclimate, yeah. get used to it a little bit, change yeah. your hours up. 
Are, are you Austin since day one? Were you born and raised out there? Like, what? yeah, yeah, I was You're- born and raised out there. And the only time I spent away from there was when I moved to Santa Cruz with uh, Rosenberg and Zach Martin. And then, yeah, shortly after that, less than a year, moved to SF with a couple of random people that I knew from Austin. Uh huh. Down, down on Fifth and Harrison. Yeah, I remember the, back when it was sketchy. Dude, back when they, I mean, that donut shop's still open somehow. Yeah, I drove by like last time I was there. I was there in April. I was there for the Silly Peak Bunnies thing. So, oh, okay. So I'm now, I'm now an official member. No way. Uh, yeah, they, a friend of mine started a Texas chapter randomly, like through Frankie. This guy, oh. Frankie, Freddie was spending a lot of time with Frankie out in Houston. And then at some point he said, yeah, you should start a chapter out here. And so once Frankie told me that, he was starting a chapter. I was like, I want in. <laughs> Sick. Yeah. Those annual parties one year, they had one with uh cool Keith. Oh, that was sick. I bet. Yeah. I was on a boat. I think like I, those guys always come back cause they're all my friends, but I'm yeah. not, I'm not in there, but yeah. I always hear the stories like, dude, this year was out of control. Yeah. Like, you know, whatever. So yeah. oh, that's and, sick. Yeah. Jeremy fish is killing it out here. He's doing yeah, so he's, much seems stuff. Like busy as shit like he's always just putting putting stuff out putting stuff out it's all cool because he does a lot of local stuff for like north beach and all those cool restaurants and yeah trying to keep san francisco alive yeah definitely yeah well what was the first memory you have of like having a a fucking skateboard like a four wooden like were you a little kid and you had like a plastic one or like what was your introduction to it um i think it was like a friend of mine maybe his older brother or his neighbor had one and mm. i think it was probably an executioner or something we all rode bmx bikes everybody was into riding you know bmx back then yeah and i played you know like baseball and whatever but um i was kind of interested in it and then told my parents hey i want a skateboard for christmas or my birthday it must have been christmas but yeah they got me some uh it was called a skill offensive they got it from like oshman's the sporting goods store yeah it was like a it was like camouflage on the bottom and just, you see, saw eyes and then like a guy like holding a knife, like a hand with a knife and it said skill offensive. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was the cheesiest board ever. And then, yeah, I rode that thing for a year or so. Finally convinced my parents to like get, you know, they wouldn't buy me a whole new complete. So I got like trucks for one Christmas. And then, so I had to figure out a way to mount those trucks onto a board or get an old board from somebody else. Mm. So it was a, like, I never got like a complete, for my birthday or in Christmas just or anything. Yeah. And then once I had one, it was always like, you know, they didn't, we weren't poor, but they just didn't see buying that, you know, stuff. Cause it was expensive. And it's, I mean, it's still the same price but back then. You think how much that was, it's like 50, 60 bucks for a set of trucks. I feel like when you ordered them yeah. go to the mall or you go to the mall, whatever it was, it was expensive. They're like, we're not paying 150 something dollars for a complete that you're probably going to lose or who knows. Right. But yeah, after years of, you know, sticking with it and growing a bunch of friends, you know, I think that was the main thing. Me and all my friends, you know, it seems like a lot of people were just like latchkey kids. We were just running around. You know, we needed something to do after school. We were all mm-hmm. hang out with each other and we love skateboarding. So we just, you know, all kept going that way. You know, it was half of us, like half the people went off and they just became, you know, more jockey or, you know, stayed with baseball and whatever they decided to do. Yeah. But yeah, we, uh, there was a crew of us, you know, 10 or 12 of us that, you know, were just like the North side guys. Did you have a local mentor, like somebody that maybe was a little older than you that you guys all looked up to that helped you kind of learn etiquette and teach you like how to not skate? At, 
not at first we were kind of lost um huh. we just you know would look at magazines we didn't it was hard for us to learn how to do tricks because we didn't have somebody in front of us see you know doing them and then at some point before we started going downtown and meeting up with the other crews i feel like my friend zach raven his sister dated this guy david kane who was an amazing ripper back in the day he died real young i think it was a car wreck or something he died it was like 15 16 maybe 17 oh. but like he had stories about him he could just he could ollie in 180 trash cans on flat like back in the day when nobody ollied shit i mean people were ollieing like two boards maybe so we saw him one day like skating our ramp or we're like whoa dude people can skate like that that's fucking crazy uh. you know and so we were all impressed we had heard stories about him too mm. and then there was a couple you know just a couple of lo- local pros at the you know that were through lone star the skate park and we'd see them sometimes this place called fungus ditch and you know and those guys were ripping but they were way older than us and so we didn't hang out with them it wasn't really till we started going to this shop let's go which was downtown and you know we'd ride the bus it was awesome so that'd be like middle school ah. we'd, we'd ride the bus downtown and not all the way downtown but to the drag pretty much which was is it like, by six no it's further up it was more like 20 it was off 26 and Thruth or something. So it was further up. It was basically where the college was. The drag. Oh, okay. Yeah. Drag was Guadalupe and it ran in front of the college and everything. So you could skate up and down the drag. But the main thing was you could meet up at the shop and just like once 20, 30 people, you know, gathered, they would just take off and everybody, somebody would just lead the way and we would go through parking garages, different stuff. We'd go on to UT property and get kind of run off and, there's still people sk- skating in the same spots that we were skating back then. That's crazy. I'll see footage. I'll be like, oh, that's the library. <laughs> They're skating it because there was these sets of rails, you know, look like a Frankie Hill rail or something. And people would try them. You know, it's a down flat town. Uh-huh. I remember people trying. I'm like, dude, that's so sketchy. Like, how do you get up on that rail? Yeah. And it was low, but it was perfect, like marble ground. And so it was maybe granite. I don't know. It was super smooth. Uh-huh. And people still skate that spot. The rails are gone, but they still skate that spot. No way. The kid Ryan Thompson I saw, he does this like long front board slide on one. But I think it's like a newer rail that they put there. So okay. I was stoked to see that dude hitting up UT. Yeah. A lot of people a lot of people now hit up UT because they don't fuck with you as much. They used to put you in jail. There was a while, like if they caught you a few times, they would put you, they have their own jail. I'd heard stories of people like, Yeah, I spent a night in jail over there. I was like, fuck that. That's crazy. Like yeah. in Texas, you can you can drive around with an open container, but you yeah. can't skate. <laughs> no more open containers. You no, can I know, your, but at that guns, time, <laughs> every guns everywhere. Yeah. Um, Holy yeah, shit! I remember also too, like during the winters, like I think it was Teddy found this spot. You know, Ted Barrow. You know, the guy doing all the lead, the, this oh, whole yeah. ledge stuff. Pretty sure it was him. Maybe one of the Let's Go guys showed it to him. But like four levels down, they have all these classrooms. And so in the winter, when it was rainy, you could just go in this one building, you take the escalator down and you get to where you're on the, like the fourth floor below, you know, the street and there's nobody there and it's empty. You turn on all the lights and it was like these circular eight hallways. Ah. And so we would just like, we would play tag and just skate through there and pull out furniture and turn the lights on and off. And I don't know, we never got kicked out of there. I was like, how do they not hear us down here? <laughs> but we'd spend hours down there. Damn. Or you guys, um, I mean, you guys have a lot of fucking epic ditches out there. Did you, were you aware of that instantly or did that take longer to be aware that like there's some drainage areas to roll in? No, I mean, the first thing I ever dropped in on was this place Fungus Ditch. Like I said, where we saw the pros at Lone Star. 
it's uh-huh. you know it's sick it's like it's banks like this bank like that but there's a lip at the bottom and so somebody at some time put concrete on that lip and it goes for a while like you can carve it back and forth like a half pipe and yeah it was like set up like a half pipe so that was the first thing i dropped in on because we didn't have a ramp and mm. that thing was i think it's like six feet tall and it's concrete we skated there a lot when it wasn't wet but after a while it just seemed like the bottom of it was wet because that's why they called it fungus ditch uh-huh. Just the whole bottom would have the fucking solid moss across it. Oh damn! So it'd be like it'd be like that all winter, and then summer would come around and it usually dried up. But then, yeah, there was. I mean, you would just cruise around and be like, "Oh, there's a ditch. There's a ditch. There's a ditch." And especially once we had cars and stuff, and you know, it's started crazy meet, meeting up with Southsiders and you know, people who lived in different parts of town. Same thing, like up north, there's a lot of ditches where all the you know, new suburban sprawl was. You know, right. have, that's that's what they build it for. It's overflow. It's drainage for these suburban, you know, homes. Uh huh. And they, they kind of do. They occasionally have like flash floods where it just rains super hard too, like Arizona and uh, yeah, we get them and New, New Mexico. Yeah, yeah, and we get them. We'll get shit. We'll get a lot sometimes. I remember one year. What was it? We got four feet of rain in like like less than a week, like just a few days. Mm. And yeah, sometimes there'll be nights where like thunderstorms really, you know, hard and you get eight, 12 inches. And so, yeah, if you're anywhere near a creek or any of that shit, it's, you know, it just, you know, it just slowly fills up. And so, yeah, they have to have all these, you know, they got to have somewhere for the water to go. So, right. It's all got to go to the river. What was like one of your earliest escape videos that you watched? What was before public domain? Uh, was it Animal Chin? See, I can't remember if we, because we couldn't find that, but I know we had public domain and we watched that a lot. And then they had Sick Boys, I think, at the rent, the rental store, because there was a oh. VHS store. And wow. They, they only had a couple videos. It was like Sick Boys. That's rad that they had Sick Boys. But yeah, public domain we were definitely into because it was like, this is what we do. We skate in the streets all around. This is like, we just mimic that video, you know, okay. like from day one, we'd watch it over and over and like, you know, watch, you know, it was like Barbie and all those guys going out in the street and be like, we're going to go out and mimic that same thing. Yeah. Who were your guys? Was there anybody that like when you saw them in the mag or did you watch their video part over and over that you were hyped on? Um, I mean, at that time, def- everybody was loving, loving Ray Barbie just because his style and, you know, mm-hmm. how they edited it. They edited the video really well to make it look like he was just constantly cruising down, you know, endless street. And yeah, you know, it was done. It was done really well. And then, yeah, the kids, it was like uh, Gabriel and, uh, guy and who else was on there There there's a couple other right there was i feel like there was yeah it was like three or four of those young guys those powell guys yeah i can't remember maybe steve saez or yeah he was in there it was yeah and then there was some other guy who was older that i think he was only in that video and i never saw him again but he like was rail sliding rails and stuff and you know i was like whoa sanderson maybe yeah that, that guy yeah and i was like whoa that guy's rail sliding rails like we have around here like long mellow ones right huh so what was like, I mean, you were known kind of for big pop and stuff. Were you always a jumper and stuff? Or did you just like, how'd that evolve for it you? It kind of happened. Like we started skating stairs and stuff. And really, I think the pop came from, um, I had curb cuts uh, at my dad's house. He had a sidewalk and just the whole street had curb cuts. And they were only like, you know, that tall, but they were mm-hmm. well designed. And so also had a launch ramp but i like skating the curb cuts so it taught me how to you know ollie off those and so most people you know would launch off launch ramps and i always would ollie off of them because i learned not of the curb cut 
Okay. In the videos, yeah, we didn't have a lot of videos. So mainly started turning into people like if we went down to Let's Go or, you know, like one of the parks that they opened eventually, like a power plant. We'd see these older guys who were rippers and they were sponsored, you know, like this guy, Kurt Anderson, he was a badass. I mean, he mm. just killed every street launch ramps vert, you know, he could just do it all. He was just, he was the first one ever to do the ski jump, like the ski jump at target. There's this target ski jump. It's this thing that goes down and shoots you out over the sidewalk. Oh yeah. Like Jerobel like wanted to go there and I took him yeah. there. He was like, this thing sucks. I was like, I know I told you it's like, <laughs> it's a crazy steep launch ramp with a crazy roll in <laughs> and it pitch it pitches you where you don't want to go. It looks better in video. Oh yeah. It looks way better in video. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. The guy Kurt Anderson, like probably 89, 90, he was doing Japan airs like to the street, you know, and it was years before anybody did anything else on it. Like I, I would try to do three sixties onto the sidewalk, but uh -huh. I could never, I could never roll away good. You know, I could do ollies and stuff like that, but I feel like it wasn't until we went there with their hobo that people started skating it again. Mm. And I think he won 80 all the way into the street, which is super hard. Okay. Um, <clears throat> what, when did you meet Zach? Zach Martin? Probably at, probably at power plant. One of the iterations of power plant, they had a few different ones. They had a small one up North. And then they moved again. Oh, there was also Dillo, but that was right before Power Plant, right? So I guess Dillo was first. Uh huh. There's Lone Star Skate Park was first, and that was Lori and her husband Bill, and that's like they had a huge, uh, maybe ten or twelve foot vert ramp. And I remember it had Vision Streetwear painted on it, and they had like an eight foot and a five foot, but that went away because they were putting a huge highway through there in North Austin. So they lost their spot. She turned into Lone Star Skateboards in the mall. So that was our skate shop up at North Cross Mall. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Dillo was the spot. Like you would go there and uh, I guess, was it Corey Thornhill's dad opened Dillo? Hmm. Or was it Power Plant? I think it was Dillo. I feel like, I feel like Tom Thornhill opened Dillo. I'm pretty sure. And then, yeah, maybe that went away and he opened a Power Plant one. And that one was that one was pretty small, but it was cool. It had this upstairs mini ramp, like you went upstairs and everything was real low, like you could hit your head. And uh, had a spine ramp with a weird little vert wall over here and a hump. And uh, just watching Zach in there was insane. Like uh -huh. it was a snake, you know, it was a snake session. Like you try to drop in, and people just dropping in, grinding around you. Yeah, but he would just like he was just killing that thing, doing all kinds of tricks and and everything. And we had known about him. Cause he was, I mean, he was like 10 or 12. He was a couple of years younger than us. And everybody talked about him. There huh. was a couple, a couple young kids that ripped like this, this other guy, Toby, I think. And then what was that one kid's name? Steve Chambers. Yeah. So there were some younger sponsored rippers at that time that weren't in our crew or anything. They were just with the older guys. They were cool enough to be with the older guys. We were kind of, you know, not nerdy, but we just weren't into the game as much as these guys were. So, right. Did you guys have somebody in the crew that had a camera or a video camera or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, our friend Dylan at some point had an old funky like VHS C or I don't even know what it was, but it was big. It was huge. It was like a big, <laughs> yep. big box. And uh, I think, yeah, that's one of the first times I ever like jumped on something. I kick flipped down these stairs. Like we were trying to ollie them. I ended up kick flipping down it. And uh, like we watched the footage later and I was like, wow, that was crazy. I caught it. Like Jed caught that fucking kickflip over the bump. I like, I just thought I kickflipped it and I rolled away, but I was like, watch the footage and the kickflip and it went to my foot and then I landed. I was like, 
dude, that's so hard. How did I do that? I don't even remember <laughs> really doing that. And so at that point, I'd start realizing I could jump down stuff more. And then they'd be like, hey, Jake, try to jump down that. Try to jump down that. Mm. And then, so, yeah, there was there's these sets of cobblestone stairs uh, on far west. I remember just doing, you know, a bunch of tricks down them, you know, 180s, switch 180s, stuff like that. And nobody else would skate the stairs because oh. they were just pretty rough. And So is that around the time where like maybe you get your first sponsor or somebody starts flowing you local oh, no. shop or no? Less no, later? Not at all. Yeah, not at all. I wasn't, I, see, I feel like I wasn't that good. Oh. Like I was okay, but like my friend Dylan, who the filmer guy, mm. he was better than any of us. Like any trick that came out, he could learn it like within a couple of days. Oh. He also had a trampoline, so he's really good at trampoline boarding. Yeah, everything he did, he was good at. So he's a pilot now, so it makes sense. Um, do, do kids nowadays do trampoline boarding? It seemed like kind of a thing back then. It was, it was back then because I think it helped us like with all those crazy flip tricks. Flip tricks, like, yeah. You know, like, like Jake Rosenberg was super good at it. Yeah, yeah, like but, impossibles and weird like late foot flips, all that shit helped a lot. Yeah. You could try it off the curb, but you could also just try it bouncing. Right. And I was never good at the trampoline board. I could do a few tricks, but not the I way I could never could. get it either. I was like, it was like yeah. hard on my body to and then, figure Yeah, out and then it would hit your shin or come up and hit you up here, and you're like, fuck this. Yeah. But he was really good. I think he was the best in our little crew. Excuse me. And then we had some other Northside guys. Um, this guy, Aaron Went, and uh, – <laughs> He's still skating now. He's killing it now. Like he's was always a good skater, but now he's just skating all the time now. And I think he's sponsored like for the first time in his life. Yeah. And he's like, he's my age. He's 46. So oh. he's like skating every day in the heat. I'm like, how do you do that? Um, but yeah, he's learning all kinds of tricks. It's like the other day he's like learning switch back tails. I'm like, dude, you never did that trick. Damn. He was always really good at manuals. Like any manual trick, like, you know, 180 fake manual flip out, all that shit. He, he would learn them first. And then, yeah, Ted, Ted was around like, that's when our crew started becoming more Ted. Ted was in, I want to say. Zach Hudson came there for a minute, right? Yeah. And we, you know, over time we'd always go down to the drag and there was that crew, but we had a kind of a North side crew that was just me and my friends growing up that went to the same schools. And then Aaron went and this other guy, Chris, they were at some, they were at St. Louis, which is like a private school. And then Ted was at, he was at a private school too or something and but we all live near each other so at some point we just all and ted had a car first so um that was a different you know that changed everything we started you know instead of skating just around the neighborhoods and stuff we started going down to lamar curb and downtown because at that time by that time uh let's go had closed so the you know the drag if you just went down there you, were, you just hung out there and there was a while there was this abandoned uh like Mexican place had a big sombrero hat that you could go up and skate it kind of like that one, okay, you know, Washington. Like, yeah. Washington or somewhere, but yeah, but yeah, it was really hard to get up there. <clears throat> and usually if you went up there, like the cops would come by or something, but, but no, this place was, we called it sombrero Rosa. And mm-hmm. uh, I guess that was the name of the place. I don't know why, but it had really smooth tiles and then there was tile curbs. And so these tile curbs grind real well and slide real well, but they would chip. So we skated there for a couple of years and eventually that just kind of, I don't know if they started working on it again, but we kind of moved up the street to some other spot on the drag and mm. the sub, subway curbs. And it's like in front of a, you know, subway and a double Dave's pizza. They, you know, they never really kicked us out. They were fine with it. 
as long as we didn't, you know, harass the, the customers. They were cool with it. Did you skate in any contests early on? No. I mean, I want to say what was my first contest. Was it before you were sponsored? Oh, actually, the first contest I skated in was Shut Up and Skate, the, like the last one they had. No so way. My, yeah, my dad drove me up there. I think my friend Aaron right. entered. I don't think Ted entered. He might have entered. But at that point, when we were, you know, like 16-ish, we started, you know, they would go to Houston a lot and hang out with the Houston dudes. Sometimes the Houston dudes would come to town. And Houston dudes had a huge crew of folks. Yeah. You know, all the all the heads. And uh, so they were, you know, they were way better than all of us. So we'd uh-huh. learn all these, you know, learn how to skate ramp and learn all these tricks from those guys. But yeah, I went, that was the first contest I went to, I believe, because I don't remember. Who are the Houston dudes? Like Mike Crum? No, he was in Dallas. Um, he's Dallas. He's, yeah, and he's all, he's, he was vert and he was, you know, close to our age. I remember going up to Dallas, you go to Jeff Phillips and he'd be skating there, you know, doing huge fucking frontside, frontside ollies on a ramp. I'm like, how do you do that without grabbing? Yeah. And he was always nice. He was cool. He's a yeah, good Jeff, dude. Yeah. So I don't think, yeah, I don't remember entering a contest at Jeff Phillips because it was right around the time it was close or was about to close. Did uh, you ever see Jeff Phillips skate? Yeah. Yeah. At the park a couple of times. And oh, he would wow. do he would get there and he'd just do a line around the whole park. He would start wow. in one spot and go in this bowl, air out of that thing, air over here, air to here, air to here, and he would hit every spot, like every little ramp. And it was condensed. There was like a, you know, I feel like there was a bowl thing. There's a mini ramp, mini ramp, another mini ramp. And then the there was street. like a doorway, right? Yeah, there's a little doorway. Me and Phil tape. went there one on our way yeah. back from Atlanta. Yeah. Fuck. That's sick yeah. seeing I mean Jake used to, or Jake Phelps used to always tell me the story that he's like, uh, Jeff Phillips is the only person that could do a 540 out of a hand plan on one wall, next wall, 540. Oh, was, yeah, probably. He was like, he was like, he could just pump the train. He was like, fuck. Yeah, he could. Like I said, he would just be, do it. He would be in a bowl and he would just transfer out of it. It wasn't like he went and picked up speed. You know, you'll see people like hit a pocket grind or just pump it really hard. He would just. <laughs> You know, transfer to tail and go over here and go over there. Yeah. Yeah, he was amazing. Who was the first guy that you kind of were friends with that ended up getting sponsored? Um, I guess Zach. Zach? I didn't sk- yeah, I didn't skate a lot with him. Um, He skated a lot with all my old, like a lot of my younger friends or different friends. My friend Pat, he skated a lot with him. Uh-huh. And then him and like Telch, they were all, Jamie Telch were always hanging out because he'd be in town for, you know, the summers. And at that point. I feel like Jamie actually started going to school in Austin. And so mm. there was a whole little, there was a kind of crew of those guys. And then at some point, Zach wanted to go to the school I wanted to go to. His grandmother was the counselor there. So he was going to go there. Oh. And since he didn't really know anybody, he was like, hey, can I, uh, can I do the tag along thing with you? I was like, you don't even know me or like me. You want to come tag along and <laughs> and see all the classes and stuff? And I think, yeah, he came and. Cause it was one of the last days of school and I want to say maybe I had a final in one of them. But yeah, I remember, uh, I took acid for one final. I think it was a Spanish final or something. And I believe he was there. <laughs> he was like, you're crazy. You took acid and took a Spanish final. I was like, yeah, I got, I got this. No big deal. <laughs> I trip on that. People that took acid at school. Like that would be my worst nightmare. I'd be like, well, I always would try to do it after or you know, yeah <laughs> i was like well, this is the end of school fuck it i'll do it because uh-huh. everybody else was doing it and i think at that time we'd kind of built up a tolerance but yeah definitely it was 
that school was fun. McCallum, what? we used to skate in front of the school, and that's also helped me get good. Like before school started, I'd be there like seven fifteen, seven thirty, and when we first went there, there was this older guy, Ricky, and this older guy, I can't remember his name, but they were skating the bump. They had a really good bump that went into the parking lot. I mean, it was like it was like this tall, and it was good. <laughs> like eventually, I ollied like the front hood of a car off of it, you know, and backside one eighty over it because it was such a good bump. Um, so yeah, we'd skate there every morning. I feel like all freshman year and then we'd have our boards and then we could, you know, do whatever we want after school. Work up a nice sweat before class. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was Zach? Did he, he wasn't think right out of the gates, right? I want to say he was vision or something. Vision. I think he was on vision, maybe some other stuff. I don't think he was ever BBC. I want to say he was on vision and then he went to, I want to say some of the shut up and skate contests and that's where Greg saw him and put him on think kind of like a flow thing. Mm. And then I'm trying to think sometime after that, uh, Phil and Paul came out maybe with Jamie, they did like a cross country trip and stayed with Jamie. So I'm going to hung out with those dudes for like a day or two, but you know, I didn't really know them. I just knew of them. Uh-huh. You know, I didn't, didn't see him again until years when we went, when we moved out there and, you know, would stay at, at Paul's house. Okay. So yeah, let's talk about that. Um, what did it, what like triggered you guys moving out there? You and Zach got a U-Haul and drove out together, right? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I wasn't planning on being a skateboarder. I was in school. I was like, I'm going to be an architect or a lawyer or something. And I was just at community college, just working my way up to something, probably transfer to UT and then figure out whatever it is I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I'd had a couple photos in magazines when they would come through, like Jeff Kula shot a couple photos of me um, through the years when he well, would just, just drive through and have photos. But you then, remember your first photo in the mag? Yeah, it was Kula shot a photo of me doing like a, a kickflip grab at this old ditch. We called it corridor, corridor ditch. And it's, re- it's pr- really close to where the Pflugerville ditch which is an old famous eighties ditch. Was. Yeah. It was kind of, this one's right off 35 and the Pflugerville ditch was a little further away, but was kind of set up, you know, I guess the same guys who had done Pflugerville ditch kind of set up this corridor ditch and people just left it there. But yeah, I did a, a kickflip indie to fakie, but I think they called it a keep on trucking. Cause my feet were like this. They were all, <laughs> they were just kind of weird on the board, but yeah, that was the first. Was that in Thrasher or Transworld or? I guess it's trans world. They would do these, you know, articles about a state. And so they would do Dallas, Austin, Houston, you know, he would Mm -hmm. just drive through. And then he drove through like a year later and, uh, shot one of my friend PJ doing like a heel flip. And then me just doing a backside flip over like a, what was it? Some sawhorses we had at our, you know, this little slab spot we had that we skated through the years. Right. It was a really, really good slab spot. It's like spent so much time there because it was in the neighborhood. I even took driving classes there. So as soon as I was before and after my driving school classes, I would go skate. And that was our spot. We just moved parking blocks around and stuff. And then years later, we actually built ledges and stuff there. And it was sick. Right. That was in like the early 2000s. So So you were taking a random photos and getting in the mags a little bit. just And it kind of yeah. got your feet wet. And you're not really thinking that's your direction. And then you get... Uh, it, did you apply to college in Santa Cruz? Is that what drew you out there? Or was Zach no, like, was, let's go out there or what? Zach always was kind of talking about it, but I think he was he was a little, not intimidated. He just wasn't going to do it by himself. 
And then, mm. so maybe like a year before we moved out, uh, Jeff Taylor came to town. So Jamie and Zach called me. They're like, Hey, Jeff Taylor's in town. He's doing, you know, he's doing a Austin article just like they usually do where they do a Dallas Austin. And it was sick. Like everybody got, everybody got tricks. Like Schmally went and like dropped in on this crazy thing he had been wanting to do. Uh, this guy, Jason Schmally. Um, yeah. He's funny. He's funny. He's, he's kind of from lower Texas, down South Texas, but he had lived in Austin since, you know, mid nineties. Okay. Um, so he was always <clears throat> kind of part of the cruise that ran around. And then, yeah, Jamie got a crazy wall ride photo. Zach got a right down the street, dropping in on a bus bench and a bank. Sick. And then uh, when Kula came, Kula came to town one time, there's this gap right on first street. And I think I only did it when it and he was shooting like black and white rolls sequences. I was like, I think I can kick flip this thing. And so I kick flipped it, but immediately broke my board, you know, landed the board just fucking broke. Uh-huh. So <clears throat> he told me later, he's like, I got that sequence. It looks fucking amazing. He's like, you got to go back and do that. Uh-huh. So anyway, Jeff Taylor was in town and he had this fucking sick ass lens on his camera. I was like, I've never seen a lens like that. You know, like you'd see it at, you know, tennis courts or sports famous. Yeah. You know, like sports, a sports athlete. Yep. You're like, where'd you get that lens? I've never seen a skateboarder shoot with that lens. <clears throat> and so, yeah, I kick flipped this. I don't know if the double set going this way, there's a rail the weird fucked up rail that's not supposed to be there. So I went off the double set, which isn't really a double set. It's more of a double set than a wall. Mm. I went over the rail into the street. And, and then, yeah, that got me a bunch of offers from stuff. Like, uh, I don't know, I guess Rune wanted me to ride for Flip. They'd come through for the, what was it, the Sports and Music f- Festival. Uh-huh. And the, that was just something they did before they had X Games. And they did it in Austin for some reason. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I fit on flip and that you guys are too gnarly. And <laughs> and then Jeff was just after that, he was like, you know, I'll flow you rhythm boards and stuff or whatever you want to do. And I got a box and I was like, yeah, I don't know what I want to do. Um, but then Zach was like, yo, Greg's Greg wants to give you boards. He wants to put you on the team or, you know, whatever. He's really down for you. I was like, okay. And so I started getting think stuff. What yeah. year was that around? Do you remember? 97 98 so it, it was we, before we phil out. died yeah yeah we moved out in uh 98 yeah you and guys moved out like right when we were moving all... out yeah like i didn't find out zach told me like of a week a couple weeks maybe a month before we were about to leave and i had oh. heard he's like dude i gotta tell you something i was like what he's like yeah phil died and i was like what do you mean it's like we're going out there to go live with those guys <laughs> yeah. what do you mean and yeah so it was weird like it just didn't make any sense like we made these plans and then they just completely changed and shifted so then it's like well we still got to go out there i was like yeah we got to go you know i'm moving out of my house i don't you know if we're gonna do this let's do it so yeah i found a deal on a budget rent it rent a truck or whatever and packed up all this shit and moved to santa cruz he knew rosenberg dave rosenberg through uh you know paul and jamie and those guys and right. so he was going to school up at UC Santa Cruz. And so he's like, I got to find a place to live. He's like, you guys are welcome to live with me and we'll figure it out. So, yeah, we just went out and stayed at Dave's house with his parents until we found a place. We found a little shithole on the beach. I mean, it was tiny. I think it was like 600 square feet, maybe less. Three of oh. us in there. <laughs> and you you didn't go to school or you did? 
No, I didn't after that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just quit school. I was like, I'm going to go do this. I'm not going to worry about school. Right. I did take some classes at Foothill, like some online classes when they first started to offer them. But then I was in Vancouver doing a contest and I wasn't able to take finals. So I just had to lose the money on it because I was like, I couldn't get the computer to work, you know, to connect, to do mm-hmm. the finals. So I was like, all right, I'm not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. If I want to go to school, I'll do it, you know, later down the line. Uh, true or false, you saved a bunch of money and hit Vegas on the way out. Uh, sort of, I wouldn't say I saved a lot of money. I think I went out with like seven or 800 bucks, uh-huh. maybe, not, maybe not even that much, but we were just going on a trip. I don't even know why we were going. It was weird. It was like this guy, Eric McKay, David Mills, who was an old kind of famous Texas skater. I think he had some tricks in now and later. He was mm. sponsored by planet earth and little Dave and me and Zach. And we all piled into this Honda prelude or something. I mean, it was somewhat big, but it was tiny. There was no, it was so miserable driving across there. And I don't know why they wanted to stop in Vegas. They just did because Eric liked gambling. So yeah, I lost, I don't know, maybe like four or 500 bucks one night. Maybe not that much. But yeah, I lost quite a bit of money one night. What were you playing? Uh, Blackjack and roulette. And then we went to craps. We were up late one night and met this I guy. I craps. Yeah. This guy showed us how to play craps. He was a math teacher who would go out there every year and he had done a probability test with his students. Yeah. And so he said, Hey, um, he figured out this way to hold the dice. Cause you can decide how you hold them. Uh-huh. He, just, he would turn it this way and that way and he'd hold them. And then he would throw them like that. And they didn't care as long as you didn't do anything weird and they rolled. And so he had a way that the probability would come up where he would know what the role would be. And he said, they'll watch me sometimes and they'll get on me and sometimes and I'll just leave the table. I'll go somewhere else. But he showed us how he'd make all the money betting on other people. You know? Right. He's like, watch me. You'll know when I'm starting to do good and bet on me because I'm going to get this, this, and this. And, you know, huh. on the different lines, because there's so many different ways to bet on the crap table. Yeah. It's the, for me, it's the, the best odds in the house and it also can last the longest and oh yeah you can you're go with like eight people so it's like a party yeah. and like you're winning off them they're winning off you yeah so you're all hyped on each other yeah, yeah. it's pretty sick he, yeah that's what he showed us like on one table we just were there wasn't hardly anybody on it and they're like hey let's go to that one they're making noise and so we went over to that one and so yeah stay we stayed there for over an hour just doing little side bets on the side you know making a little you know 100 200 there 300 you know on the different all these little can't remember what they're called on the sides, but the it was awesome just watching this dude because he'd like he'd be like bam five ten fifteen all right that's enough and then he'd walk away and he was a, yeah. he was a he was a math teacher at a you know public school and you can see how it can become addicting like when you yeah. start winning you just think like nothing can stop you and when you lose you think oh that's temporary you'll get back on the win you know yeah. me and my wife took the train up to Reno in the winter and went through the snow and the it's so sick it's a rad train ride and we get up to reno shout out classic skate shop and uh me and my wife are staying at the hotel because we're gonna go see a comedy show and at night we're just playing craps all night and i'm teaching her how to play second night she's winning so much (laughs) the whole table's calling her the hot shooter (laughs) so she has a new nickname the hot shooter it was so rad that was fun real fun yeah um Let's talk about like, you got a pretty good list of nicknames. Yeah, I guess. 
You got I mean, originally growing up, there was just always, you know, snake or whatever, but that's just because of the wrestler. Jake, you know? Snake. Oh yeah. yeah. Rhymes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then you got frog legs. Yeah. Frog uh, legs, froggy. Um at some point it was uh somebody gave me, I don't know if it was ears or somebody gave me Nuska. I don't think it was Rosenberg. Oh, Nunska, like the yeah, Muska. Nunska. Yeah, like Muska. It's <laughs> like maybe because I was growing my hair out or something. <laughs> Jake or uh, Dave Rosenberg said, uh, was it Barney Fart Snake? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's and that? it was it was the uh it was actually a couple things. I think originally he was like we were driving across country. We're dri- they picked me up in Austin. They were driving. We went all the way to the East Coast, like hung out with Patrick O'Dell, some other people that Mark Whiteley hooked us up with. Mm. And yeah, I just had terrible gas in the car. And he was like, <laughs> man, farty. He's like, farty. It's like started calling me like, you know, weird whitey names. And he's like, farty barn snake. And then he said, I don't know what the other one was. Barney fart. I think it was Barney fart snake was the first one. And then, then Mike Madeline, Mike was like, Hey, what about, what about Whitey Barn Snake? <laughs> I love nicknames, dude. Like, and the evolution of them, like it become, it starts this and it becomes something else that you're like, how the yeah. fuck did it become this? It's so random. Yeah. Uh, talk about Dave though. Like what was your first impression? When did you meet him? Do you remember like seeing him and going, Oh, this guy's pure entertainment or something like what, what were you? I mean, I spent a little time when they came through and it was him and Phil and Paul, Mm. but I don't know if he was hurt maybe at that point or. Oh, he came out there with Phil and Paul. Yeah. He came out there once, I think. Mm. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he came out there once. So I didn't spend that much time with him. The first time I really hung out with him was when we went to um, live in Santa Cruz. Right. And I was just like, yeah, this guy's got a shit ton of energy he's, <laughs> he's always on like you know if, like if you're a comedian he's like always on yeah wake up gets his coffee and he's ready to go right what was living what was like the highlights of that era living out in santa cruz and then what was like one of like the things you don't miss at all about it uh the highlights was hanging out with dave because zach yeah. pretty much left after a month or so he had to take care of his family and stuff so he was in texas most of the time he was most of the time he was in texas mm. so and me and him and brought out all our vinyl so that was cool dave had a turntable and i had a turntable and so we were able to like mix records and dj and stuff just in this room so that was cool it was like just coming up with dj mix sets of my favorite hip-hop shit you know all that good 90s hip-hop especially out there you could go to all the shops san jose and amoeba and all those places and find all the records that me and my friends in austin had been looking for and they would be cheap because all these other DJs are selling them. So right. I just would get more and more vinyl. And me and him kind of did the same thing. He was like, oh, we're going record shopping and we're going to stack up. Um, and then, yeah, hanging out with him and his family, like he would go see his family all the time up in the hills. So he would drive up there. And maybe after that, we'd hang out there for a day or two. Maybe after that, go hook up with, you know, the San Jose guys or like Palo Alto Mountain View guys and just skate all around there. So that was really fun. Because mm. it got, got me out of the house. Because there wasn't shit to do in Santa Cruz. There wasn't yeah. shit to skate. I mean, there was derby and the school, and the school sucked. Yeah. I mean, there was a few little things to hit, but not much. Yeah, it's a real small community, too. Like, yeah, yeah it's it's an interesting place. Speak about how the hell did you, because you turned me on to a bunch of hip-hop. Like, how did you know about all those underground like it seemed underground to me at least like there was a bunch of stuff i forget exactly maybe ac alone or something like yeah all that stuff you had a really 
big yeah. variety of knowledge on this stuff. How yeah. did, how did, was there a local uh, college radio or something? Or like, how did you know radio, that? Yeah, they did have some stuff, but we just had a like group of friends. It was me and this guy, Will and Keenan and uh, who else was in it. But I mean, for a while we called ourselves the Asgardians. We were like a hip hop crew. And this guy, Brian Claybrook, really smart guy. And he collected a lot of records. I mean, I think it originally started, we were always into, you know, Ice-T, NWA, like anything we could find at the record, you know, at the tape, not record stores, tape stores. We buy tapes and then CDs came out. Yeah, my friend Dylan, who, you know, was the filmer when we were really, really young, he had every fucking rap tape. You know, his parents would go buy it for him or let him have it. So we would always be copying off him. But then at some point, I guess Jamie came out, Telch came out with a, um, or maybe it was Arby. That's what it was. We went to Houston Jamie gave Arby, I remember we he was uh, duping a tape. Like Jamie Arby's like, I gotta have that. Like, and he had the Hyro. It was all the Hyro unreleased stuff. And I guess he somehow got it through Rosenberg. Oh, Even yeah. though they didn't know each other. It's like somehow a tape got passed around. Jamie got a hold of it. Right. By the time we got it, it's all weird and kind of sped up because it's been duped so many times. I don't know if you've ever noticed that if you dupe a tape and pass it on, it speeds up, uh-huh. especially if you do high speed. Um, and I was always into like, you know, stereophonic equipment shit. And so, yeah, we got that tape, Arby had it. And then we kind of like put mixtapes together of that stuff. And once we found out about that, somebody knew about freestyle fellowship. I don't know who it was. And they're like, yeah, you gotta listen to this shit. This was off the chain. And then, so, and then this, uh, record came out project blowed shout out to those guys. Cause they just did a record of their whole Lamert Park crew. It was like, that was their area, Lamert Park. And they went there and they just, they had freestyle sessions every Thursdays and everybody right. would come and just kill, kill Mike. And eventually they just put a record together of all those guys. And it was amazing. It's still amazing when you listen to it. Uh-huh. So that's how we got turned on to that. And then randomly in like 95, the guy who was in the records, Brian Claybrook, he was living on Hyde street. And one of the first people he met was Carlos Young right? Young is his last name. Um, and he had all this LA hip hop stuff. And so we were just like, we were trading tapes back and forth, like all this stuff we had never heard. So it was like, you know, there's abstract tribe, uh, tribe unique stuff. And then some other weird stuff I'd never heard of. Yeah. And, uh, no, because yeah. back then it was before the internet. So it was yeah. just like your network of friends. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And right. you said college radio, we did have a decent college radio, college, but it, yeah. They were they were into like East Coast stuff and you know it was it was you know I don't know it was like ninety three to ninety five it was mostly East Coast stuff they were into yeah and then always... we got some shows like all those like Hyro came out there was Black Moon like it was crazy like the skate shop uh, Blondies they had like Black Moon do a in store and then they had somebody else Smith and Wesson and like somebody else came out and it was like you how are you guys getting these fucking rap crews to come and do this and then shortly after like Hyro came out. Uh, project blowed came out as a you know a whole tour and it was awesome like project blowed was on the radio they went and just took over the radio station like they had two mics in separate rooms and they just for an hour just freestyled back and forth and we just sat there at home and recorded it and listened to it later and it was like dude this shit was amazing do you watch those youtube rap battles ever like so-and-so versus so-and-so is kind of like that like they do i've seen a couple of them or whatever but yeah now it's i've only watched like um some of the stuff like and there's a documentary about it about the good life and stuff like that oh. but that's like in the 90s and they're showing it 
It's actually right. the woman. It's Ava. Ava Devane. Devane. Whatever. The woman that did. Uh, she's a famous writer, director, producer. She oh, did, okay. Like, 13, right? And some other weird stuff. Mm. But she was part of this, of the Project Blowed crew or the Good Life crew. She was in a, she was a girl rapper. What were they called? They were called, uh, God damn it, I can't remember. It'll come to me. But she actually rapped with those guys and then did a documentary years later. And it's on Netflix somewhere. It's okay. a really good documentary. It's like just footage for, of her filming for a few years of those guys. And they would battle out in the, you know, just out in the street in front of the place, like, talking back and forth, talking shit back and forth. And then it was always cool. Cause it was like, you know, when they're done battling, they just bound, shake each other's hands and then move on. Yeah. I'm down for a good documentary. We watched a lot on during lockdown, like COVID oh, yeah. and shit. Whew, that was our jam. Like we had a whole schedule. Uh, <laughs> schedule. Yeah. No, oh. seriously. Like Monday night was sports. Tuesday night was like <laughs> true crime. Wednesday night was like, we, so we had a categories for, but yeah. they were always documentaries. We watched like 99 in one year. Jesus. That's crazy. <laughs> it was rad though. So, cause you get into them and you're like, yeah. huh, who, who do I like? Like, let's just say, oh, I like Prince. There's probably yeah. a documentary on him, like whatever. Yeah. And then the true crime ones, I was like addicted to those. I was yeah, like, I watched a lot. Shit. The stories are beyond insane. Yeah. yeah, there was some recently that I was disappointed in because at the end, there's not really any resolution. And you're like, that's fucked up. I watched all this and it's more fucked up than it was in the beginning. Yeah. Like, I'm disappointed. Somebody would ask me, he's like, oh, I was going to watch that. And I was like, don't do it. You'll oh, be disappointed. Dude. Yeah. The Golden State Killer is insane how like they didn't catch him until he was on his deathbed kind of like he was super old and somehow his prints came up to a family member or something way later in life and they caught him oh damn as as bananas that was like a few years ago and he did all of it like a long time ago but uh dave asked me to ask you uh, about the mandatory four front sides for dysentery warm-up and the origin of the crew uh it was the same thing as when my nickname came out. They were, it was like me, him and Mike and we were, they were driving out to the East coast, but on this one we left or maybe they met me. in. I think that one, they met me in Portland. I think I did a do tour in Portland or something. Like I was living in Texas. So I was out there and they're like, Hey, we'll drive up and we'll go up and down the Oregon coast and hit some shit. And, um, I don't know how it started. One morning, Dave was like not wanting to skate or I don't know. Something was going on. Maybe he was hungover. Who knows? But it started and it was like, I don't know if he said it or if I said it. Somehow we started it. That like, yeah, the best way to warm up is to do, you know, as many front side grinds as you can in a row. <laughs> like, you know, step up. I was like, don't start with the backside because me and him were always like backside dudes. Uh -huh. So it's like, if you start with front side, then you're going to be ready to go the rest of the day. You know, it's like, just got to do four front side grinds. Then you're part of the crew. So it started as a warm-up initiation, and then it became an initiation into the crew. Like, drop in, do four front sides. I remember one day we went and skated, like, eight skate parks in one day. Like, it was our mission to skate as many skate parks. It was, like, Tracy, Dublin, Livermore, all these ones. And it was, like, I think we ended up with eight or something. It was, yeah. like dysentery i remember <laughs> it was just like so insane it was super fun times uh yeah what 
what was it like getting on Think and like meeting these dudes? Like, were you pretty much aware of all their writers and yeah, kind I mean, of like I knew them all. I knew of them. Yeah, then, that's what I mean. Like, but I didn't know how fucking gnarly and good they were. I mean, I knew you know I would see pictures in magazines, but then yeah, the first time I skated with them, it was like I got picked up at the airport. Zach had already been out there. I like set up a whole brand new complete. They wanted me to ride ventures. I was like, I don't ride ventures, you know, and like they're like whatever, just ride them. So we went to, I think it was the opening of Antioch. Ah. It was like, I think it was the opening because that day it was like Phil was skating like crazy. Uh-huh. Wade was just going everywhere. I mean, he was going like, he was hitting the spine, then going over the fence and like yeah. going way up the wall, like Drahobel too. He was hitting all this shit. And I was like, dude, and McKinney was there. So yeah, I hadn't even really heard or known about McKinney. And then I saw him. I was like, dude, this guy's just like these guys. He skates, <laughs> he skates fucking good. Yeah. All terrain. Yeah. Yeah, and I wasn't that all terrain. I mean, I could skate mini mini ramps, but I was just all about you know, I could do some grinds, slip slides, and a lot of ollies. Mm-hmm. So, but you but, came once you got to meet No McKenney, you came down to San Mateo and hit a bunch of spots down there. I remember. Yeah, I think you lip slid that white rail on El Camino. I think it was Bank of America or something. It's a big one. Oh, I forgot about that. And huh? nobody had hit that. And it'd been there forever. And McKenney was like, dude, I've been looking at this rail <laughs> forever. And then you just gave it, did it. I was like, that's been there for a minute. Yeah. Which yeah. is funny. It was like, that was the only trick I could do like on a, on a rail for a while. Cause I was like, I don't want to fuck with 50 fifties. I don't want to get hurt, but at least slip slide is safe. <laughs> that's it's so weird how people like some people have front board is their safety. I'm like, that's yeah. safe for you. Fuck that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so then um, eventually Phil's gone. Jehobel crosses third, goes to Crooked. Duffy yeah. comes on. Was Poncho already on when you got on? Yeah, he was on. Okay. Yeah. I think so, I was right after. Well, he and, had been on maybe a while, and then I got on. And Diego? Because I was just on flow. And then, yeah, shortly after, I'm trying to think when Diego came on. Because he wasn't around the first when I first got there. It was maybe a... Maybe I think I it was like 98, like right when yeah. Phil died, I think is when Die- yeah, Diego, because no, Diego went on up. the trip that Phil yeah. died on. Yeah. He was on that trip. I forgot about that. Yeah. So probably was yeah. right there when he got on, uh, think, I mean, yeah. Dude and shows you guys up used and, to hang out. Yeah. yeah he lived hang out all the house. time. Oh yeah. I forgot. He did live at your house. Yeah. He lived with me. We would wake up to a wedding singer every morning and just crack <laughs> up and then go skating. But that dude funny. had so that dude had a brain on skateboarding that yeah. I've never known before. Like maybe yeah. Jamie Thomas has that too, but I don't know him that well. But Diego was like, "We're gonna go to this spot, this spot, and this yeah, spot." He had it all like this, mapped this. out in his head exactly dude, what was gonna happen. Kickflip, back tail on hubba, backside yeah. one eighty Wallenberg. Yeah. Like, is you're just like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I was. And the this is like same weekend. Yeah. I was the opposite. I was like, oh, I'll come see the spots. I'll see what I can do on some of them, you know? Yeah. A little more laid back. Yeah. And this, all those spots in the city are hard to skate. Like there's a lot of them. They're fucking, there's something weird about it. And I know all about skating fucked up shit from Texas. I mean, there's always a crack or cobblestone or something, but there it's just, I don't know. It's just maybe because of the hills and I don't know. There's just a lot of, a lot of different factors where I would go to a spot and be like, I don't like this spot. It's, you know, people, I see what people do here, but the ground looks kind of gnarly. Yeah. You know, like that Jefferson school or whatever. Yeah. Like I had a check out there, like Pete got me a check out there, but then it was just a lip slide. 
And he's like, yeah, Musk, I did this a long time ago. Nobody cares. It's a checkout. And I would always try to go skate there and like do a substantial trick. And I never could because it was uh. just like, it was like a smaller rail with like 10 rough tennis court landing. It was just weird to me. I could never skate it that well. That's the one Cairo nollied over, right? Like yeah. high to low. Yeah. yeah. Damn. And we're going to put this PSA, public service announcement, check one, check two. This is for uh, Howdy Cat and uh, Zach and the boys out in Texas. Uh, go check your audio. It's uh, go, I use Spotify, but uh, on any platform, I'm pretty sure you can even find it on iHeart. I swear I even seen it there. But uh, audio usually comes out first. And if I'm hard up, I go check there first thing in the morning. Sometimes it's there. Uh, public shout out Texas, dude. Shout out. Who would you film with mostly back then? Was it Joey Digital or was it Jones or? I mean, originally it was you. Like when it first came out, it was you. A yeah. Lot. I mean, we went, I remember we went on a trip down to where we Fresno. No, we went to Fred. We went a bunch of places, but we went down to like we went uh, hooked up with Rhino. Ah, uh, was he in Santa Barbara? Where was he? San Diego. San Diego is where it was because we stayed in Andy Max house or something. Remember? Oh yeah, dude, that but, was the, totally that was like that. the first time I met Preston, kind of like I oh, knew him, but we like stayed with, we stayed with Preston, right? Not right. Yeah, yeah, we that, stayed with Preston. Dude, I need I've, I want photos because we were sliding down the pole. <laughs> Yeah, Andy Mack's house. Yeah. He had a, a fireman's pole fireman's from pole. his house, yeah. from his room to the living room, yeah. and we were just cracking up. And then yeah. his his girlfriend was there. She got a bum <laughs> because Andy wasn't there. It's like, yeah. what are these degenerates doing in our house? <laughs> yeah, because I think that was like an ASR weekend or something. Yeah, I don't remember why we went down there. I feel like it was just to film and. I feel like that was the weekend of the big Ollie contest where it was uh, Reese Forbes versus D Danny Maybe. Wainwright. Yeah, it could have been because I, I do think. remember having shitty shoes. I didn't have the right shoes. Like I had some crazy puffy S shoes that like had no grip. So I couldn't Ollie for, you know, I maybe Ollie the first one or two. And I was like, I can't do anything after this. Yeah. What that about like sense. Visalia, like Jesse P and his crew? That was sick. Yeah, we'd go out there a bunch. Go out yeah. there and then go up to the uh, skate camp and stuff. But yeah, Visalia was always awesome because they had they had a shit ton of spots. Yeah, they had Hanford. They got Visalia. They got yeah. they had the indoor in like Med M Madera or whatever it is up yeah. by Fresno. But yeah, Madera, Modesto, one of those. But then that yeah. closed. But then yeah, later I remember you went. Yeah, it was me and you and Ryan Johnson, and he showed us all the spots in that area. And I was like, yeah. how do you guys have endless rails everywhere, endless flat bars and up rails everywhere? Dude, RJ took us on the tour. We got to yeah. see the big curved handrail that he ground. Yeah. That thing was nuts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what about, what was some of the craziest shit that you remember going down at that 5th and Harrison place? Because that's kind of a sketchy zone. It was real sketchy. I mean, there would always be people shooting up outside. There's a lot of feces when you step outside. <laughs> I mean, the, the what's it called? The, uh, the, where they feed, you know, where they feed the homeless was, I guess it was two blocks away. And then I feel like something else was around the corner and that's why there were always so many homeless there. But yeah, you, I mean, I don't know. You would see a lot of crazy shit around there, but it's just, it was the normal SF thing back then. It was just a lot of, a lot of needles, a lot of crack smoking, you know, a lot of defecation. Yeah. But it was cool. You go around the corner and there's awesome graffiti, you know, like famous artists doing graffiti, like in certain streets right around there. Yep. And then, yeah, sometimes late night at All-Star, too, like, weird shit would get weird. You know, like, people come in with their cars and, like, you know, want to get It's 24 fights. hours, right? Yeah, so it'd be, like, 4 a.m. or something, <laughs> and 
I'm just like, seems like these dudes are about to get in a fight and start shooting each other over just like cars or something. They're showing off yeah. cars. You don't even know what's going on. You're like, I don't know what's going on. I'm, not, I'm going over there. <laughs> Dude, I remember picking you up at that place and going like, I can't believe this guy lives right here. This yeah. is because it's an off ramp of the freeway too. Yeah. Like it's just hectic. Yeah, it's super hectic. <laughs> and yeah, the building shook when the buses would go by. <laughs> like you're way up, you're up on the third floor or whatever. And it's like, you're like, oh, there's the Fulton or, you know, oh, no, that's this one. You know, you could tell by the times which buses it was. Yeah. Oh, man. What is one of like your favorite uh, trips you went on once you like got on thinking stuff like that you went with the team, like a, like a tour or something like that? I mean, a lot of them were fun. We do those organ tours and stuff. We go up and, you know, hit up a bunch of stuff for the shops. Reno too. I remember Reno was a party a bunch of times where we went on kind of some small trips and they would combine. Sometimes it would be think, sometimes it would be like venture guys too, because they'd want to get as much as they could in the van. And then one time we did the think versus city stars thing. I don't know how those, I think that was all ears and you know, Kane talking about somehow it came up. Maybe it was Joey and ears talking about it. And they're like, that'd be cool. And so we like went up together and we do demos and kind of battle each other, you know, like who could do the most tricks or, you know, who could win, oh, sort of win, win the demo. And it was like, it was fun. Like that was fun. It was like huh. right when P rod, you know, was just starting to come out, like where he was just starting to like, you're like, Whoa, this kid's good. It was him and Mikey. And then that just Justin, maybe who else is on that team? There was another kid who was good at rails and stuff. Hmm. He had style. But yeah. Him and Mikey were just killing it. He's like, dude, these guys are, these guys are on one. Dude, what that about? was fun. I'm trying to think if there's any other ones. Definitely any of the ones in California. I mean, sometimes it'd, it'd get old, you know, having to drive around a lot, but that's just how it was. And then, oh, going to skate camp. That was always the funnest. Like you go up there, you didn't have to do much. As long as you didn't get in trouble for, you know, smoking or doing stupid shit. And yeah. you go off and swim the creeks or whatever. And I remember going there one time with McKinney and all he wanted to do was fish. He's like, I'm not skating. I'm fishing. So just every day he's in the boat, just fishing. <laughs> just out. They're like, McKinney, come back. He's Did like, no, he get, I'm fishing. It, one of those ones, he got banned from like, he had a beer or something and they kicked yeah, him probably. out because he was drinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's so beautiful up there though. Yeah. Since yeah. I remember one time we were like, because Dave at some point told us, he's like, just if you're going to smoke, go way up over there where the you know staff does their stuff. Go up the hill over here. We go up there. It's a whole crew of us. Poncho's there. And they're all asking about bears and tripping on bears. And then I look over and I'm, you can hear crunch, crunch. And you see these two cute little baby bears, black bears, like <laughs> 20 feet away from us. Fuck. And they're all, oh, look, they're so cute. And I was like, everybody, start backing up. I was like, the mama's really close. They're right there. They're little ones. We need to get the fuck out of here. She's like, get we need protective. to hurry. Yeah. And yeah, they're all, and yeah. So we kind of like slowly backing up, slowly backing up. And then they see the mama bear. And it's fucking huge. I mean, it was probably like four or five feet tall, you know, probably 800 pounds. I don't know how big it was, but she looks at us and everybody takes off running. And I'm like, don't run. Don't put your, don't turn your back to him. He told us not to run. It's like, make a bunch of noise and slowly back up. Yeah, Poncho just instantly gone. I was like, Poncho, you could be the first one got. <laughs> yeah, oh. stuff like that was fun. Yeah. What about uh, Fuenzalita getting on to think Chilean Prince? Yeah, that was fun too because he was such a damn good skater. And he right. was always funny on the trips because he would just be talking, you know, weird science stuff. Whereas most people usually talk about, I don't know, just kind of BS about different stuff. He would always be like talking about 
quantum string theories and quantum mechanics. And what about this and this? Getting really high and talking about it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, dude, you're awesome. But yeah, he was so good at like skating. He could he could do any trick you could think of. And if you couldn't figure out a trick, he would tell you how to do it. Like I could never figure out how to cr- pop out of crooked grinds. And he was just like, oh, just do this and this. I was like, oh, and then I had that trick on lock. I was like, oh, this is easy. Uh, yeah, he's like precision. He it, yeah. and, it, and it's in his brain as well as his feet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which I get because I'm super picky about where I put my feet on the board and how it has to flip and catch and all that, all that. I always had a high standard for the way tricks are supposed to look, you yeah. know, like a tray flip supposed to look like Duffy or Jason Lee, you know, it's supposed to look like, yeah, comes up to your feet and you hold it, you know, yeah, right. No yo flips allowed. And it was, so I was always like that when I started seeing, you know, people hang their back foot off. I was like, boo. I was like, that's a pressure flip. Right. You gotta, it's got to be a three sixty. Yeah. Flinger. <laughs> you got to kick the shit out Jesse of Jesse Pye has had a good one. <laughs> oh, too. he had a good one too. Cause he would, yeah, he would do them on those giant, he would do them on like giant, uh, what do you call them? Like launch ramp sh- shit. When your knees go up to your waist and, and you catch it like that, that's like insane. We're just like, Fah! Yeah. and it's just like, you're going up still as you caught it. Yeah. It's like fucking NARS. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Jesse. It was always my favorite, always my favorite trick with 360 flip. Yeah. It's yeah, a good Jesse one. Jesse had a good one. Jeffy De- Jesse definitely had a good one. Um, yeah. So Dave, I got a couple questions from Dave R and from Fuenzalita. And I think this question might be the same story, but asked two different ways. So I'm <laughs> going to ask you both questions. Yeah. What, what, so Dave asked, what was the most expensive weed you ever bought and how did that transaction go down? And then Fuenzalita said, do you remember buying weed at a club for 70 bucks a gram? And was it the sketchiest ever in the bathroom stall? Are those two different things or is that the same thing? Could be the same thing, but that huh? doesn't, could be the same thing, but I don't remember the bathroom stall unless he, I mean, unless we went to he, Amsterdam and spent a bunch on, on weed and stuff and hash, but maybe, I don't know. He said something about you were in the bathroom in their apartment and you screamed because <laughs> oh. they had a bidet. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so I don't know if it was right around that same trip, maybe. maybe. Unless we were in Japan. That's probably what it was. That, oh. They had the bidets and that right. was the first time. Yeah, that was the first time ever using those things. And it was really hard to get there. Like they did, it was frowned upon. They were like, you can't have any, can't whatever so who knows yeah we probably bought some you know probably spent 40 50 bucks for like nothing for just like a little bag and swag what was japan like because i've never been there was that your first that wasn't your first time out of the country uh we're probably been to canada 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 was first right yeah i got my passport real quick had to go down the passport office and it was hilarious like all the documents i took they're like yeah those won't work I said, well, I have a magazine here and on the binder, it says my last name. And if you look inside, there's a profile, a side profile picture of me and it says who I am and where I'm from. And she looked at it. She like talked to the guy. I'm like, yeah, this will work because my birth certificate wasn't the right birth certificate or something. I was missing one thing and my ID was expired. And they're like, okay, that works. Here's your passport. I was like, how did that fucking work? A magazine just got me my passport. Cause we had to leave like in two days, we had to go to Vancouver and it was slam city. And those trips were always so much fun. 
like dude kids would just trade you piles of weed for you know for product or just give it to you and yeah it was just run really good up there it was like they treated the skaters with a lot of respect you know and you'd see the vancouver you'd see the most amazing skating it was like i remember watching when bob did you know the perfect run or whatever that one time he did i think it was like 99 or i don't know if they gave him 100 but it was like you couldn't have done a better vert run i mean he did fakey 50 fakey flip in the run and then kept going and did some weird switch tricks and you were just like yeah how is he still on his board dude bob was fucking amazing i remember in southern california contest they had the the rail up there and he did that trick like oh yeah fakey five oh fakey flip it's in it's like what the fuck yeah yeah dude well what was japan like japan was awesome i mean first time or two we went it was just for like the trade show i think we went with like it's me poncho uh i want to say keith greg no keith didn't go it was fish don fisher went and greg Mm. And then the real team was there too. So we kind of did some stuff with the real team, but then mm. they went off on their own skate mission and we didn't get to skate at all. Like we didn't have anybody take us to skate spots. Oh. So I was always like, dude, we have to come back. And then I feel like we went back one more time. Yeah, we did. I just can't remember if we skate same thing. It was for the trade show they did there, but I don't know if we, I feel like we didn't skate. We only skated a little bit. We only skated a couple spots. Um, but then randomly Joe Brooke and uh, Anthony Clairvell did a trip. I don't know if it was a slap trip or how they pulled it off, but they got all these guys to go uh, out to Japan for like 10 days. And it was awesome. All the only mission was to film and shoot photos. And so I think me and Danny ended up with sort of, I don't know if we shared an article or if they just separated it, but me and him ended up with so much footage from that, from that trip. And like Russ Milligan was there. Oh, sick. Alex dude. Klein was there. Um, who else? I think this guy Beavis, who was like a random skateworks kid. Um, who else? I feel like it wasn't a big crew. It was only like five or six skaters, I feel like, and Flinzalita. And we skated so many spots. I mean, I'd never skated that many spots. The only other trip I skated that many spots was in Italy, and that was a couple years later. Um, did, but yeah, did, Japan was, was Was amazing. that in 411, all your footage? I don't I feel like it was, but then some of it got broke up because, you know, huh. how it was weird sometimes like you'd save like a banger for your part or something. Yeah, you'd have like out of that week or whatever, you'd have like all these tricks. And you're like, yeah, those are good. We'll save that for the four and one can have that. But if it's a banger or if it's something that you want to keep mm. and maybe we can pull it off and, you know, you can save it for one of our videos. I was always terrible with footage. I think that was my problem because photos had had that's what got me sponsored and i remember mm. so many times shooting photos without a filmer you yeah. like oh we can shoot a sequence right after this if you want i was like sure whatever i know it, you know i know it went down if i need to document i can come back later so i was always terrible about that like putting together video parts all that I, I think the only time i tried was with 411 and then it was even half ass i didn't film enough for it and then one of my think parts for i don't know if it's free at last or no, I think it was the iTunes one. They like did the copy. What was it? I think. I think that's what it was. Like that one, I actually like said, no, I want to get like this type of stuff and this type of stuff and this type of stuff. And I had a little bit more control of the planning or, yeah. or just the stuff that I wanted to get. You know, I was like, I want to get these kind of tricks and these kind of tricks, you know, not just jumping downstairs. Where is Allison Castro now? 
I don't know. He's probably still in. <laughs> he's probably around where I am, Huntington. I feel like he was in Costa Mesa, Huntington, for a long yeah, time. Yeah, for sure, with all those homies. Yep, it was crazy because after I started working at Thrasher. I mean, we're right across the street, but I'm seeing like different DMs and different like yeah, the amateurs. Changes. Yeah. And you're just like, who's this guy? How's that guy fitting in yeah. this and that? Cause like when I was there, it was just such a solid family, like with Josie Arrow and Joel Price, those yeah. AMs, but then like Zooch, Phil, yeah. McKenney, and then you got Jesse and Wade and Drahobel. Yeah. Like it was yeah. just so. Yeah. And all those guys, it was like, because I remember I didn't have a sponsor me tape. They were just like, yeah, we saw your picture. Just send in some footage. Go next week, skate. Just send in a couple minutes of footage just so the guys can see it and, you know, see if they're down. Right. And I feel like after that, it's not how it worked. Like, I don't well, ever remember them asking very much input on all any of that stuff. It all changed with the internet, I think. Like, the yeah. internet made the video camera more valuable because people yeah. started putting video parts on the internet instead yeah. of just one VHS tape and then YouTube and then Instagram. And then pretty yeah. much you're just needing to film everything you do. And then yeah. that just watered down everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely that, saw that over time. Yeah. It was, I mean, us older guys, a little bitter about things the way <laughs> we did things yeah. compared to how they do it now. I'm like, yeah. this guy travels with just an iPhone. That's all he has yeah. to bring. I had to bring <laughs> like this yeah. huge backpack that my back's still broken yeah. from. Like, yeah, it's crazy. Bring a camera bag and a, you know, a video And a bag. laptop yeah. and like lenses and just, yeah. oh, like sometimes lights. Like it yeah, was, lights. That was the other thing too, because the lighting back then, it was like you had to get, you know, it was hard mm -hmm. to get all that shit fit in a van. Oh yeah, for sure. They started making the custom back things that you had little yeah. slots for everything. Yeah. Uh, well, what happened um, going pro? Did you see that coming? Was that a surprise? I mean, I knew it would have sort of eventually happen, but I was just doing the same thing I'd always done, which is just take photos and not really worry about filming too much. And then 411 was kind of like, hey, we should do something. But I guess Tampa Pro or Tampa Am, I did well. And I got a trick in the magazine and it wasn't even for my final run. It was just during the quarterfinals or something, but I did mm. a kickflip back tail on the rail as like my last trick. And so that was like a big deal because they were like, Oh, nobody does that shit in their runs. And it was true. It was like the only other person did any flip into anything was Mark Appleyard. Mm. And he, he saved that. He was like, I'm just saving that. I'm doing my simple stuff on my run qualifying runs. Yeah. So I think I got fifth or sixth in the end. Um, but yeah, after that, they're like, yeah, you did good enough. We're going to turn your pro now. Tampa was a proving ground, you know, yeah, it, was. it was the, like you do well there, you're going pro. Yeah. And I noticed a lot that with a lot of people, they didn't do the best, but they went there, they showed, you know, showed what they could do and right. You know, made their name known more. And so they'd be like, yeah, you're going pro, you know, like yep. Nate Jones, I feel like Nate Jones is right around the same time. And like oh, a couple, yeah. couple other people, you know, that were in the same families, you know, real and deluxe, all that stuff. Right. Um, well, did you have uh, input on your graphic or did they surprise you with your first board? Uh, the first board was when they were doing a bunch of series. It was kind of like how Element and people ah. like that would do series, you know. Um, was I it think, just the name in a certain font? Yeah, or? it was just name and a font with a think tag and. I think mm -hmm. mine was, they were like, do you like light blue and white or something? I was like, yeah, I like blue. So <clears throat> I was like, that's cool. Um, so I think the first one was like that. And then oh, said, so you had input, you knew you're, you're about to, your board was coming. Yeah. 
okay. they decided on that series to throw it in. Like now also, it's always like a huge surprise. Like, yeah, they you know. like roll out a surprise and like yeah. trick, trick you. So you don't know, yeah. but no, it was more of just like, um, I mean, they had already started paying me like maybe six months before that. Just oh, okay. cause, it, Cause I was like, Hey man, I gotta, I can't, I have to work a side job. I have to work at the valet company, which every, all the skaters work there, parking mm-hmm. solutions. I have to work there to make money and pay rent, or you guys can start paying my rent. And then Keith was like, okay, well, you'll be the first, you know, and we'll pay and we'll pay your rent. Mm. And so, you know, shortly after that, maybe six months, eight months later, I guess it was, it was less than a year that I went pro and they were just like, all right, we're going to give you a board. And it still had a huge team. Like it was still, it was still, you know, all those guys it was Duffy McKinney. McKinney was still on the team. It was Poncho, it was, you know, it was everybody. Right. They got big ass team. Yeah. So it was awesome, awesome traveling with those guys because, you know, the range of skating and just everybody's just so, you know, different, but we're all fucking, we're just, I don't know, hardcore skaters, I guess. Also, people that like to enjoy themselves, like a lot of laughter. Yeah, definitely a lot of laughter. Yeah, good times. Uh, I remember the first time Duffy got on the team. We were just like, where do you want to go? And he's like, China Banks. And we're like, what (laughs) the hell? (laughs) Oh, man. Well, who was the artist at Think back then? Who was doing the graphics? Uh, It was Fish. It was Jeremy Fish. He was still there? Yeah. And then, so he drew like some of my favorite graphics. He did a nun. It's like Jake's nun. It's like a sort of a naked nun with, you know, she has a brown or black bar over her nipple. And that was a really good one. he He did some other graphic too. I can't remember. Um, wow! But then I had my roommate Joey from Austin. He's like a he, he was a good tagger, and I did a you know like a John uh, Gibson like shout out board where it was a skull cow skull with the Texas flag behind it, and that was pretty much one of my favorites because you know I just I told him what I wanted and he drew it up and then they scanned it and put it on a board, mm. you know, pay some homage to Texas and pay some homage to to Gibson. Did you have some? Uh, were you homesick at all while you were out here? Yeah, but I like would go back a lot. You know, my mom uh, would be like, "Come back for Christmas or come back for your birthday." And so, when I had downtime, I would I would start going back. And what? then at some point, my dad left his house he had been written in this tiny little neighborhood called Clarksville, which is downtown Austin. Hmm. Um, he was leaving to go to Colorado, and my mom's like, "Somebody needs to take over that house. The rent's five hundred dollars a month." I was like, "Man, I'm paying six hundred for a room." So I just started. Me and my mom started splitting the rent there just to keep it as a house that you know just essentially have um she used it for work and then when i was in town i would just stay there and eventually i decided i'm just gonna move back <laughs> and so i put all my stuff in some fedex boxes and stored some of my stuff at think and kind of went back to texas for you know i don't know months at a time and then i'd come back out to cali for a little bit jamie telch ended up keeping my room in cali so i would stay there when i came to town Mm. And then eventually it was like, yeah, I'm just going to stay back in Texas. The skating's way better. I can shoot a interview, you know, like Joe Brooke had come out. First Luke came out and shot some stuff. We had some stuff in Thrasher. I think that was huh. one of the first times I actually had substantial stuff in Thrasher. Nice. And, uh, but yeah, it was really cold, but we tried to get a bunch of shit done. And we did. We got, I don't know, we got a few pages of stuff. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, just at some point I was just coming back so much. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to stay here and then I'll go back out to you guys. Right. And there was a lot of th- changes going on. I think that time anyway, 
I feel like at that point they kind of wanted me to step up and be, you know, sort of TM partial other stuff. And I was like, well, I'll be team manager. I'll plan trips, but I don't want to drive the van. I can't skate and drive the van, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, my back was already kind of fucked up and I was like, I'm not going to sit and drive (laughs) and go skate, but I'll plan the trips. So I planned a few trips and that was when I was like, Adam diet, lizard King, you know, uh daryl fuck who else was on the team uh oh akil was on there so we did texas we did a texas trip we did a boston trip um what else did we do i feel like we went somewhere else that's when it started getting really random for me i was like yeah it was like the graphics were random like yeah they were were terrible and it was just yeah it was i think they only had interns doing the artwork Because after Jeremy left, that's what they did. They're like, okay, we're just going to do intern artwork. And then uh-huh. that went on for a while. And I think they occasionally would have an artist come in, but that artist would be like, nah, I'm, this is too much. I'm going to leave. Yeah, it had changed a lot at that point. And I think at that point, too, Fausto like approached me because Greg was gone, Fish was gone, Keith was around, but he wasn't doing He was only involved with venture. He was like, he didn't care about Think. He's like, venture's my shit. I got my other businesses going on. Um, so was Tony running it then? No, he wasn't really running. He was doing city. They kind of gave him city to do his thing with. And so Fausto kind of said, well, if you want to kind of take over and it never happened, but if you would manage it and take over, think and come start spending more time out in California, then I'd offer you a piece of the company. I was like, what? I was like, why would you? Okay, sure. But then like a month or two later, he died. Uh-huh. So every, everything changed. And after that, it was like, everything was in, you know, you know, everything was like, Everybody's like, what do we do? Everybody's kind of, you know, not lost, but you know, what, how do we definitely, step in, no, step in definitely. and fill the role? <laughs> no, I would there was say, no plan. I would say lost. Like yeah, I remember there was no plan. There was no, like, here's and, how this works. Yeah. And there wasn't a lot of confidence. Like it was like, yeah. like, I remember feeling like everyone in the industry had a microscope on what we were doing well, and how gonna, we were yeah. going to move forward from there on yeah and not for nothing but like i always say tony hard-working smart yeah. guy like we're as thick as we've ever been and we're the yeah. only magazine left like fausto would be looking down stoked yeah because i was like in the beginning i was like this is, I could, if I was Tony, there's no way I could do this. You know, being like, I'm just in school right now trying to figure out business and stuff. And this is like not over his head, but this is just a huge load. I was like, I'd never be able to pull that off. Ever. Huge, huge load. And you just lost your dad. Yeah. Like you your dad would be shit. the one you'd be turning to when you're stressing yeah. or having questions. He's gone. So yeah. you're grieving and you're trying to yeah. maintain this iconic thing. Like yeah, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it's yeah. insane. I, I remember the funeral. He's like, picture me rolling. <laughs> like he was like, I'm taking it over. Like with me, we always crack up because that was yeah. a funny ass speech. But yeah, man, that's crazy. So like after that happened, was that kind of the demise of Think? Like Tony had Probably. to go fully into Thrasher yeah, and some, then somebody had to step in and they just kind of let it go by the wayside. And I think if we had me and him maybe had an agreement that things maybe would have changed, like maybe we would have had some control over stuff like, oh, well, let's make sure we do this and this. Mm. But I think at that point, too, at some point there shortly thereafter, I think they combined the city and think teams, too, didn't they? They all like they brought them together. And there was lucky, like, too. Yeah. 
Yeah, see, and there was Lucky Skateboards at, at one point, wasn't there? Like was Henry was, was on Lucky. Yeah, that's what. Okay, see, I was thinking it was just the bearings and the wheels and shit, but no, they did. Yeah, because it was all at some point. It seems like it all amalgamated together. Yeah, and then I think that he. I think they sold, sold it, right? it to yeah. Low Card or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and then it went and went into the casket, but. Yeah. Recently, Jesse and Matt Pales, a couple of guys hit me up and they're like, dude, some dude, wait, even they're like, some dude's going to bring back Think and he wants to give us models and stuff. Should I do it? Should I do it? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. Hold on. I was like talking to, I called up Keith and I was like, do you hear about this? He's like, yep, we're putting that fire out right now. <laughs> <laughs> Keith's like, I got this under control. <laughs> yeah. He's like, that's not happening. Yeah. But I, I mean, we talk about it a lot. Like the, the think documentary would be really cool like there's so much history with yeah, rad so dudes people. and and just how it was done back then was amazing and yeah. i mean greg and keith kind of were at the right place at the right time um yeah. you know to be like these pioneers of a company that fausto was helping like there was deluxe and there was think at that time yeah. you know and and yeah and he kind of left them on their own he was like you guys do your shit um yeah you're gonna be responsible for it and they kind of did it yeah so and, you know shout out to greg dude he taught me so much he was a really good mentor i mean he taught me a lot of stuff about life and about just the industry and you know how things work and how not to be an asshole and right you know, how, to, how to do the right thing and you know try to make every yourself and everybody happy which is a hard thing to do you know yeah i just talked to him last week because i'm gonna try i mean i am trying to get all these brainstorms together bullet points and i've been trying to knock out this homage to phil video that i am blessed yeah. and cursed with you know like yeah. i'm like fuck, that's a lot of pressure because i know how great he was and i need to like make this video great um and and greg's attitude is just wow yeah. Like I hung up the phone and I was so sparked. I was like, yeah. he, he fired me up. Like he just says nice things, compliments you. Yeah. And you talk about life and you have the same perspective on some things. And yeah, definitely, it's, it's just cool when you t touch base with the real ones. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we know, we yeah. don't even have to say it, but you know what I know. Like, yeah. and, and that, and that goes a long way. It's how, who do out of any of the old guys, do you still, get in touch with kind of a regular or have you lost contact uh, with most of them? Not too regular, but like I saw Danny a couple years ago. He was in Austin just for a night or whatever. Um, hmm. If I was ever out his way, I'd hang out with him. Same with Poncho. Poncho rolled through on one of his, he was on the Rockets tour or whatever, where he had met his wife. And so Same. I met her and him, but that was a long time ago. You um, seen his stand up comedy? Yeah. And I've been, I've been following <laughs> that recently. I've been telling him how funny he is. I'm like, dude, you were always funny. But Dude, I got gotta, I want to go to one so bad. Yeah. That's yeah, he on said my bucket list. He said something about doing one in Austin. I was like, you got to do one. Wow. Like come out. We have, there's a bunch of comedy uh, clubs now. We only used to have one. And now there, I think there's like six. That's what I said. I was like, come to SF. We got, you know, let's go. Like, yeah. that'd be so sick. I bet you, you a bunch of people would come out. Oh yeah. Yeah. It'd be cool. Well, so what, what ended up? So it kind of just fizzled or did, was it just a, well, I tore my ACL. I went on an Adidas trip. It was when Adidas was starting the skateboarding thing. Yeah. Cause one of the think writers, uh, Jesse Bracewell was the test shoe guy. And so oh. if you were a nine and a half or 11, he'd be like, Hey, I'll send you boxes of shoes, skate the shit out of them. Tell us what you like or don't like. 
because they just had all these Adidas shoes that they were thinking like, how can we incorporate this into this skating program that we're going to start at some time? And he really helped spearhead that, like, here's how we're going to transition in, into this. And then at some point they just kind of took it away from him or he got involved a little bit, but they just moved it into a different direction. And it was like, it started with Gons and Booznitz and maybe Tim O'Connor. It was only a couple of people when they started it, but mm-hmm. then there was like a flow list of like, I don't know how many, it's like, 20 people, 12 people. I don't know. We mm. went on a Southwest trip. We went out to ASR and then I was going to drive one of the vans. We had minivans. And then, so we went from there to Albuquerque, Denver, and then in Albuquerque, I mean, I was skating really good. Uh, but then randomly I was dorking around on the double set, maybe a triple set. And I just kind of fell backwards doing a backside flip, which is like a joke trick to me. And my knee like twisted and popped. And I was like, Oh shit, that's not good. And so, it swelled up really bad the next day and tried to drive to Denver and then, yeah, got on a plane and went home and on the plane. It was crazy. It swelled up so bad. Oh, from and I think that. I, I, yeah. From the altitude, from the pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I tore it, but not that bad. And then maybe like, I was like, Oh, it's not that bad. And I was wearing a brace and I was fucking around. Um, it was right after we had opened the no comply shop and I was fucking around with somebody, somebody was playing me skate, my old friend and, he did a no comply shifty or whatever. And uh, I was like, I ain't going to do that. It's going to hurt my knee. And I did, you know, I just sl- slightly attempted it and it hurt so bad. I was like, yeah, that's, this thing's definitely fucked. So then I eventually, yeah, Tony hooked me up with uh, Dr. Chow, who did Phil's knee? Dr. Uh, uh, it's the guy that Fausto died with. He was riding yeah, his bike. Yeah, Dr. F- uh, not, Chen, not Chen, something. No. I saw him. He got me an MRI. And he basically said, you know, you've been going, you know, this many months without it. There's no rush to do it. You know, just whenever you get insurance, fix your knee. And then I was busy with the shop. And at some point, Tony called and just said, hey, you know, we can't give you a check anymore. And I was like, okay, I understand. Uh, cool. You know, there's nothing I could, you know, nothing either of us could do. Right. And I really wasn't planning on, I mean, once my knee was done and I didn't have insurance. I had no plan to, I mean, my thought was, Oh, I can get insurance through the shop. We'll start getting employee insurance and we'll be covered. Mm. That shit, that shit never happened. So, you know, and I was just in weird relationship in life, like had a crazy girlfriend. So I never focused on things like that and Mm. skated sometimes. And then we started playing soccer out at this place kind of out where I live now, uh, commons forward. We started playing soccer out there, just dorking around and, that seemed to help my knee the most, which doesn't make sense. But, but yeah, running around in cleats on grass really kind of built it up over time, and I never fixed it. And it, I mean, it kind of bothers me sometimes. I kind of messed it up a couple Ooh. weeks. Kind of messed it up a couple weeks ago. So I do have an appointment finally to get MRI for the first time, and I don't know. 15 Whoa! Years. So you never had surgery? No. Oh shit! No. Can Can you skate now? Can you roll around or whatever? Uh, not right now. Before I could skate. Yeah, there was a couple of years I could skate pretty fine. There was only huh. it was like going front side hurt the most on transition. That's what would hurt it. But yeah, I could. There was when House Park opened, I was skating there a bunch. It was like huh. we learned learning manual tricks and still skating not big rails, but still skating little rails and stuff. But no, you tweaked it more. And then just yeah, just not really that much. I mean, I've tweaked it a few times, but never that bad. I'll always, you know, a couple weeks later, feel fine and start, re, you know, regaining strength. But yeah, this one kind of hurt. I'm having to wear a knee brace. So I'm glad uh, I finally have decent insurance and try to get it 
try to get it fixed before the end of the year. First yeah. my back, first my back, they're getting MRI, MRI on my back in like a week and then they'll do the MRI on my knee a couple weeks later or a week or two later. It's gnarly, dude. I've been doing yeah. a little bit of yoga and like long walks in the morning and stuff and it's been helping with my back. I got these like shoes that I never would have worn in public. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like you look down, you're like, am I wearing these? It's like something public? out of a movie. Dude, Some crazy it's like movie. souls like yeah. higher than like uh it's nuts but yeah it's it one day i was at work and somebody's like dude of course your back hurts you're wearing slip on vans there's yeah. no arch support like you're you know whatever so i got these running shoes from new balance and like it started yeah. feeling better i got a little chiropractor work done and that helped and then i just dude when you stretch you know better than yeah. anyone like stretching is huge for all of this stuff yeah yeah you gotta no. stretch and you gotta keep it my my problem is uh i do a lot of construction work so everything i'm doing i'm bent over this way so i oh. have to figure out how to build the muscles going the other way you know yeah. so i don't know there's this uh guy knees over toes guy teaches a bunch of exercises and stuff like that how to rebuild knees and backs and stuff and it's all scalable you can do it different ways and yeah i tried doing some of them but yeah the past year so i got taken out playing soccer last year um somebody just completely from the side some young kid oh, and, uh fuck. yeah like now my hips my hips were like that day it was they looked all messed up because like, uh -huh. did something put something out of line and i'll just stretch and try to make it better you know as good as i can but Recently, yeah, it's really been hurting. Like walking's the worst. I went and walked a bunch yesterday, and I'm like, oh, my back hurts. My knee hurts. <laughs> Fuck. You got, you still in touch with Zach Martin? Yeah, he uh, he called me the other day. Actually, he's uh, it, he has he a bunch of goats. Oh, and he was trying to, you know, he's like, we're gonna have a big slaughter soon, and he's trying to get rid of them. He doesn't have a hay is the price of hay has gone up so much since the pandemic. He's like, I can't afford all these goats because they keep procreating and there's more and more. And so he has way too many. He's trying to find a farm that he can, you know, give some, Fuck. give some moms off to, and they'll keep the lineage going because they're really good goats. But yeah, he's going to have a, he's going to have a little slaughter sometime soon. And may, we might do it out at Doug King's. He was saying Doug King's uh, this guy. He's got yeah. a, he does this big, you know, uh, what's it called? You know, it's like Skatopia. But yeah, every year on his birthday in November, he does King's Fest and has bands playing. And now, I mean, it's huge now. People come mm. out, there's thousands of people hanging out and lots of bands. Right. And, uh, it's super fun. I haven't gone out for a few years because it's a little too hectic for my my mood. But yeah. yeah, they shoot off guns and fireworks and shit. I'm like, I don't trust all these kids being stupid around me. No. Oh, in these days, I'm, I'm trying to be smarter with. Dude, ask Chris Russell, man. You, you wear goggles if you're going to shoot off fireworks. That's for oh, sure. Yeah especially at people it's gnarly yeah. well there's yeah, some texas we get dude they get the fireworks out there are insane like i don't know where, where they're coming from what they're building but like <laughs> a couple years ago we're sitting there and this flying saucer giant plastic thing comes flying into like where we are we're like where did that even come from <laughs> and it was the craziest contraption i've ever seen it was like a big flying wheel with all these bottle rockets on it uh -huh. and it just came like flying across the sky and you know hit my friend's carport we're like what the fuck is this fuck. so they have crazy fireworks out in texas are you guys pretty much like let's get out of town when south by southwest comes or is it mellower after the pandemic um it mellowed out a little bit after the pandemic but i think everybody downtown is growing so much and it's always so fucked up with construction i mean 
everybody pretty much avoids it unless you're going down there to skate or something. Right. I mean, I'd never drive through downtown. I avoid it with a passion because it's usually you just go around, you know, there's one street 15th. You can still go down. It goes in front of the Capitol. It's still pretty good, but yeah, they're just building so much and they're so far behind with shit. I mean, that town is, you know, since the eighties, they haven't been planning development well at all there. It's just yeah. grown every which way. West, northeast, south, every every direction it, it's grown. What do you give credit to for Austin being such a different city than most of the rest of Texas? Is it just the college or is it more than that? Uh, it's The college is a big part of it, but also the state government is based there, which the state government has always been more liberal than people like to present. It's only in the last 20 years that the state government has been this far right you know, it's it's gone back and forth a little bit, but it's always been. I mean, Texas used to have Democratic governors for a long time. Ann Richards, fucking, I can't remember them all, but Mark yeah. White. I mean, they always had a Texas. I mean, from the 60s. I mean, LBJ was from Texas. He wasn't that conservative. I mean, he was conservative, but he wasn't that conservative. Uh huh. So there were being in the middle and having all the the green space they had because the people that settled Austin, you know, they were like. German, a lot of Germans, a little south of Austin, like New Braunfels and places like that. There was all these towns. So that's where the barbecue came from because this cooking style emerged out of Texas from this mix of German. And, you know, and it just, I don't know, Austin has, I mean, it's just, I think it's the school and the state government. And then at some point, um, Samsung came there in the 80s. They started, they had like $800 million project that my mom worked on east of Austin to build processors processing chips or something mm -hmm. that's all it was for and in the in the 80s they knew where they were coming out there and so i think after that you know dell popped up dell was big for a while so now yeah there's still a lot of you know of, it seems uh, like silicon valley a bunch of those are moving there yeah they're moving like... there because you get great tax breaks there's no ah. state income tax you get these insane tax breaks right you don't have to really kick back to the city you know they need to they should require these companies like hey when you build this you got to build this you got to right. build us a green space as you're building this giant building mm. and yeah they really changed like austin was always they had a rule about you couldn't block the capital it was in their state you know rules they had passed it like if you build anything up this high you can't block these corridor views of the capital oh. now you can't now you can't see the capital only from one direction and another because it's just it's I don't even recognize the skyline when I see it. I'm like, which part, where is it? Where's the buildings I know? <laughs> yeah. Because I'll look that, at it and I don't recognize it. That's how SF got to you. And I just get bummed because everyone's like, oh, SF's changed. I was like, show me a city that hasn't. Oh, like yeah. everywhere's like so changed. Yeah. Like, come just on. Just that time. It was like after the crash, it was like, that's when all the investment groups got bigger and knew what to do with their money. They're like, we're going into this real estate shit. And we're going to yeah. run it for a while. Right. So, I mean, Austin is kind of like, I always say it's kind of like Portland of Texas. Like it has that vibe where it's just yeah. like a lot of cool outdoor eateries, like bars. Yeah. And then the yeah, people's minds are yeah. like in tune with what worth, you know, like, yeah. so it's, it draws people of that stature to move there. And it just keeps it like going in that, in that same way, I think too. Yeah. I mean, the, the music scene there. I always think that like music and skateboarding, right? They're the tastemakers. Like that's yeah. what people, they see these guys and that kind of 
emulates what they want to be like. So when you got like rad shit going on, people are drawn to it and then they follow in the trends and stuff. Skateboarding's yeah. always been ahead of everything, it seems like, where that's yeah. concerned. And so, yeah, I, I guess know. you're right about that too, the music, because I kind of forgot about that. That, yeah, in the 70s, I mean, they started this whole cosmic cowboy thing and that popped yeah. off in Austin. They started this place called the Armadillo. Before right. that, there was Threadgills. And they, he had been around for a long time doing live music there, but it was more blues and folk, you know, kind of not honky tonk. But then the Armadillo opened this place, the Vulcan Gas Company that a friend of mine, his dad opened back in the day in the, you know, late 60s, he opened it. And that was like Rocky Erickson's first gigs were at the Vulcan Gas Company. You know, they have all these old shirts and posters and stuff that, you know, this famous artist from Austin did. And there was a huge movement i think that's why my parents moved to austin you know they were both in houston and they were like well our friends are going there so they got amazing music it's like all these people are moving there right i was, rec I was recently reading a town fan zant book and it's like that's why he ended up staying in austin it's because he just like he had a community and he had like people he could hang out with and live the life the way he wanted to you know just like playing music and drinking and doing whatever and then travel when he needed to yeah and again just kind of laid back having fun low stress and enjoying yeah. life more like have you ever seen me and my wife went out there for like a three-day weekend or something and uh have you seen the chicken shit bingo oh yeah oh yeah. my god that's, that's so, been going, yeah. so awesome it's been going on a long time and i never went i would always go to uh, jenny's little longhorn when it when it wasn't chicken shit bingo because it was hard it was hard to even get in and get a ticket and all that but they eventually they kind of learned how to corral all these people in and they made the place bigger at some point it closed and this local guy dale watson he's a famous musician around here put some uh, money into it and reopened it because it needed all this stuff to reopen like eight needed ac work it needed refrigerators it had all because they were um they were one of these bars in austin where they were uh, grandfathered in where they could do you could bring your own liquor bottle in like and they would serve you a setup so they sold setups. They serve you like like five bucks, few bucks, big bucket of ice and Coke, whatever you want to mix your liquor that you just brought in with. And then mm. they sold their beer. It was a weird old school beer license that they had. And then once they closed, they lost that. And there's been a bunch of others that have closed down. And I don't know if there's any left that actually have that rule still in place. But it was always an amazing thing. It's like Lucky Lounge was one, I think. No, not Lucky Lounge. What was it called? Horseshoe Lounge. That Horseshoe one was Lounge. that way. Yeah, that one was that way too, where, yeah, you could... I mean, up until I swear it was like 15, maybe 15, 20 years ago, you could, you could go in there with a bottle and they could bring out a couple ice, you know, a big giant thing, of ice and a Coke. Dang. And then you just tip them well. Yeah. And they'd have shuffleboard. That's like, that place had really good shuffleboard, you know, like a dope ass shuffleboard table that was well taken care of. Like people uh -huh. were really good at it. Like shuffleboard sharks, like, like you get, you know, get taken out like that. Mm. Is there, it seems like to me that, all the people that live out there have the same answer, which gives me the vibe that there's just too many. But I always am asking, what's the best barbecue in the area? And people are like, oh, they're all yeah. good or whatever. Like, yeah. is there anything that like, if you're coming from out of town that you would highly recommend, like go there? I mean, the place to go that's been there a long time and it's cool because you can see it all. I took Rosenberg there a couple of times uh is salt lake and it's outside of austin yeah and they have this huge inside you go inside and there's this huge big round you know 
it's not a pit, but they have this thing where they're just smoking meats constantly and it's just all out in the open. Yep. And so that's an awesome experience. And they do all you can eat barbecue. It's like and it's the- out by itself. Me and my wife actually yeah. went there. Yeah. It was yeah. yeah, that's so good. And then you can go to Lockhart. They have a bunch. They had some of the original best barbecue, like the oldest barbecue trademark, as they call it, right. is in Lockhart. These two families. How far is that? Uh, they built a toll road, so it only takes like 20, 30 minutes. It used to take a little longer, but it's pretty quick. And so okay. now there's a, you know, there's always been barbecue out there and it's old school. Like you go in this place and the wall is just black from the soot, you know from how long they've been smoking in this one room. Yeah. But then in Austin, I mean, you know, ever since Franklin's opened up and I've never eaten there, um, it just kind of ruined everything, I guess. Uh, Um, There used to be a place right next to, hopefully it'll reopen soon, next to House Park, the skate park, and next to No Comply. It was called House Park Barbecue. And I I mean, I remember going there as a kid and it always was cheap. You know, it was still a couple of years ago. It was like $10 for a two-meat plate. Like, that's unheard of. Yeah. But uh, I know this guy from... One of the kids we were going up skating with, this guy, Chris Micklethwaite, he was really good friends with that guy, Wiley Wiggins, who is the guy in Days to Confuse. He's the annoying guy, Mitch, in Days no, to Confuse. Sick. So he used to skate with us. We had a little skate crew and um, he quit skating or whatever. But his friend, Chris, Chris Micklethwaite, he has a brother, Tom. And this guy, Tom, randomly opened barbecue place maybe 10 years ago. Mm. And that's my favorite barbecue. It's called Micklethwaite Craft Meats. And now he has a little thing up front that does pastries and he's doing well like he won some stuff from texas monthly and some other you know competitions but it's really really good and mm. it's big big portions i'm so, a fan I, I love this so i would say go there because i know the guy and he's doing he's doing good and it's you don't have to wait like franklin's sometimes there'll be a line but it's not that bad okay it's pretty quick and if you want a pint, go to the Yellow Jacket. You might see Figgy. Yeah, you might. I forgot. Yeah, he lives out there. <laughs> yeah, Figgy moved out there for a bit, I think. I think he might be moving back eventually, but he's out yeah. there kicking it. Uh, so what's going on now? You're you're doing construction? What, what are you doing? Yeah, you- I've been doing construction. My dad was a carpenter and contractor. So that was another reason I always came back here a lot. He would be like, hey, you want to come help me on this job? I'll pay you. an hour or whatever. And I'm like, $25 an hour? And this was like in the late 90s, early 2000s. That was a lot of money. Yeah. And it was basically like kind of tax-free. I was like, this is awesome. It's coming out of Texas. It's separate. Okay. Um, So, and I wanted to learn how to do that stuff. And so, yeah, I've been doing that. So now I'm not really a carpenter anymore. I just, I'm an all-around kind of guy. Because I have a friend who's a plumber. I have a friend who's an electrician, but they're always super busy and their prices are expensive. So. I do end up doing a lot of electrical and plumbing and I don't really do painting. I can paint, but I usually hire the painter, you know, another friend of mine, I'll have him do all that stuff. <clears throat> How long do you but, think it would take to come into electrician with no experience and have somebody trust you. Like how, what's the process there? Is it, you have to go to school or do you just have to learn? No, you don't have to go to school. And in oh. Texas, the rules have changed like for, <laughs> so, for some reason, a couple of years ago, because my friend who was a plumber, he was with the plumbing company for years trying to get right. his uh, apprenticeship. And then he had done his hours, but there was no way he was going to start a company because it was too, the bonding and the way the uh, insurance and the way the licensing worked, it was just complicated and it was, just wasn't worth it. Uh-huh. But then, I don't know, a couple of years ago, the state changed the rules about that. So he started up his own company and now he kills it. I mean, he makes some days, he makes, you know, like $1,500 a day just swapping out some water heaters or you know moving a shower line or a drain line whatever but 
Yeah, he's a really old good friend who, you know, was a really good skateboarder that I looked up to. He was like the guy back in, you know, he was a little bit older, but in high school he wore like the the cool, you know, button-up shirts or cool sweaters and he always had like the cool thrift clothes. He was like the first thrift shopper that I knew that looked cool. You know, it's like cuz we go to thrift stores to buy pants, but he would like go and like come out looking like stylish. Mhm. This guy Mike Parsons. Nice. <clears throat> Fuck, dude. Well, I, I, do you pay attention to what's going on anymore in skateboarding? I mean, yeah, I'll look on the Thrasher website and watch stuff like that, you know, up on my TV since now it's so cool that you can do that. It's like, oh, I can just watch all this on my TV, no longer on the computer. It's pretty so, cool. I know. We've been watching some of the stuff they put on YouTube full screen just yeah, because we have a I mean. projector. Uh, who, anyone? Yeah, I keep up with, anyone keep up with that, some stuff. Okay. Anyone that has your, like, that, has your attention that like damn this new kid sick any of the new jacks um, who was i just thinking about the other day i love that one kid uh that came out a while back Corey glick or whatever he was doing some shit that i was just like wow that's some, yeah that's some proper skateboarding like doing it style wise and like just coming up with new stuff that people hadn't thought of right but there's no. somebody the other day who was it that i was like yeah this dude um oh it was jordan trahan and he's over mm -hmm. in louisiana right jordan okay trahan? yeah and he just, yeah, he's got the right pop, the way he catches his tricks and everything, the style, like everything he does is always like, I don't know. I feel like it was what me and my friends like wanted to do when we were younger. We wanted to have like that good style and like make it look effortless and, you mm -hmm. know, flip your board the right way, you know, like catch it the right way. And it seems like that dude's always doing it. Yeah, dude. Sick, man. Good catching up with you. You got any tips for me? Like if I was going to ask you, uh tell someone that doesn't know anything about phil what do they have to know what 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 do they how would you describe phil to someone that doesn't know anything about him i don't know i guess he was just a natural he was like a natural on a skateboard mm -hmm. and he had you know he had the version not the version but when i knew him which was a short time he was in the street like he was like into street skating and but he also still would kill anything like any ramp or any bowl we went to he would kill it mm. but he was really into like i don't know his style was just amazing it was so effortless and he was always like his laugh like his laughter he would just laugh about stuff like even just like dorking around skating he'd be like ah, i can't even mimic the laugh but he had this yeah. laugh that was just like it was very endearing it was like you know the guy loves what he does right. i never saw i never saw him mad like on skateboarding right yeah. yeah man i miss that dude we've lost some important people probably get, i mean we all die eventually yeah. that's the that's the message but like man i remember just when jake phelps was alive we'd go to places and he would look at me and go what would phil do here and i'd be yeah. like just touch that he was thinking about that kind of yeah. stuff like yeah dude i know fucking gnarly yeah. um anything else we should touch on um I don't know. You probably don't want to talk about uh, the shop, right? I mean, I'll talk about it. It's just, uh, you like, know, for a long time you... I had animosity about it, but in the end, it's all, you know, it's all my fault and in my control. Oh. <clears throat> they attempted to force me out of a corporation, which you can't do. I'm a minority. I was a minority shareholder in a corporation. So I was just under the impression that things weren't going well and they didn't like me. So I chose to go my own way okay so, so i ended up losing money on the whole endeavor and never being i guess appreciated 
or, you know, cause I did a lot of work. Even my dad helped build out the second shop, which is the one, not the one they just redid, but the second one, which was next to the skate park. Oh yeah. They weren't around and they wanted me to finish it out. And my dad came and he's like, Hey, how about we figure out a board rack and designed a, help me design a board rack, you know, that would look cool. And then, yeah, we just ended up figuring out how to bolt these things to the walls. that was fucked up brick walls. And, you know, we did a lot of, we did a lot of work over there and, you know, I just put a lot of work and time and effort into the shop and it never, never got to the point where I wanted it to. My expectation was high. I wasn't worried about sponsoring a lot of kids. Mm. I just wanted to make a nice clean shop where people could come and be respected. I didn't Mm -hmm. want any of that attitude, like looking down on customers or any of that, you know, nonsense. Like when you come in and you're working here, you treat everybody the same. You go to them and, you know, even if it's your homie walking in, you ignore him and you take care of the customer. That's the first time customer, you know? Right. Yeah. I went there and the guy that works there, he was so nice to me and I'm sucking at remembering names today, but uh, him and his girlfriend worked there at the time mm-hmm. and they were just like, Oh, I listen to your podcast and yeah. like da da da. And it was cool. Um, Elias wasn't even in around that day, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate though. Like, can you, do you guys, if you see each other, can you say hi or you guys don't really talk? No, I mean, I say, I say hi to him. Like last time I went to an art show or something, I was walking out and Elias, you know, saw me and stuck out his hand i shook his hand i was like hey how's it going da, 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 da. Uh-huh. But yeah there was a, there was times like i don't know i remember times it would start coming to the yellow jacket after this is years after it opened and that was like they never went there or whatever and it was like i felt like it was it wasn't our bar but it was like they were there and i think i was drunk and i was like yeah fuck you guys and, uh, and yeah. uh. it was whatever it, it was just me being a drunk asshole and i'm you know i'm fine with it me, me just venting feelings about it but yeah, I handled it. I handled it the wrong way. I mean, I know that. And I'm proud of them. I'm proud of what they've done. And you know, now they got. You know, they've gone through a couple of different owners, and now this guy Grant is who was a guy we like sponsored early on when we started sponsoring kids. Mm. He was one of the people I think. I think I wanted to put him on, or Elias did. It was cool because we each got to pick like three or four kids we'd want to sponsor. Mm. You know, from around. And, uh, that kid Max is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, he's insane. Yeah. But I remember first seeing him in Boston or somewhere. We were doing a think tour and we were way up in where were we? We weren't in Maine, but we were in like North Massachusetts. Maybe we were we were in Maine. Huh. Portland, New, Maine, New Hampshire. There was an indoor skate park and it was crazy. Like there was a photo of Dave Chappelle skating there on the wall. And oh, Manny, is Manny that Rhode Island? Island? Uh no. I've I heard like it, that story though. Dave Chappelle was skating a park back east. I, I don't remember. Yeah, there was a picture, and I like I took it. I have years to take a picture of me next to it, and people were like, "Were you with Dave Chappelle?" I was like, "No, that was a picture on the wall. <laughs> I couldn't tell." Um, but no, Manny Santiago's there. Bachinski was there, and mm. they knew. I think they knew Max because Max was just you know doing the the thing where he's just like not showing off, but just like skating like ripping with us and like ripping and doing stuff. And I don't know if he lived out there or what, but shortly after that, I saw him like in Austin and I was like, that's that same kid who was doing Nolly 50 fifties up there. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know if he lived there or if he was just randomly up there, but he knew, I swear he knew Manny Santiago or one of those guys somehow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Sieben's got a cool little thing going. It's local yeah. there with the Roger stuff. He's yeah. doing uh and I think Pop. they do that with like the shop or integrated with the shop somehow. I don't know if it oh, is. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. I feel like somehow maybe they're involved together okay. because he's, 
I wouldn't say he's like an owner of the shop, but I swear Roger stuff is, I don't know if it's distributed through there. I don't know how it works. I told Steven I want to see some of his characters come to life in Walking Dead. I feel like he could get yeah, that going. <laughs> definitely could. Yeah, and I'm stoked for Steven. I mean, now he's involved with you guys, you know. Yeah, he's copy crazy. editor and crazy. I think he, I'm pretty sure this year was his 20th year or something, which is oh, wow. crazy. Like, yeah. But he started, I think, didn't he start with Slap doing, no, maybe he started with Thrasher, yeah, because Jeremy Fish was doing the big stupid. Yeah, he slap. did that. Yeah. yeah, okay. Wow. Well, dude, how long are you in uh, California? Where are you at, Huntington? Uh, no, Costa, no, Corona Costa Del Mar. Me. Corona oh. Del Mar. So, yeah, just a little, little town south of Huntington, I guess, right? You got yeah, a week girl- out there? Uh, Wednesday to Sunday. My girlfriend's uh, dog-sitting for a friend of hers, and so she's staying here for a few weeks and just came out to hang out for a few days. Right. It'll get away from the heat. Yeah. What do you do? And what do you do to like give yourself some happiness? Like, especially on a day where you need to force it. Is there any techniques, meditation, certain music or anything that you just draw to, to get out of the funk? Um, music helps. For uh, sure. Where I live, if, if I'm at my house and it's not too hot, I'll go down to the lake. Cause the lake park down there is so nice and the water's cold. And if it's not uh, too, if it's not too many boats around, it's like, it's very pleasant. Like you go out there and it's, you know, take a dip, you know, you just hear the trees rustling. You can kind of forget about things. Mm. Sometimes, sometimes I'll see my friend down there who does a spa skate parks. He'll do like his Friday. He'll be in there because they have internet at the park because it's the HOA park. Yeah. And it's a funky old park, uh, but he'll be there on his lawn chair on his computer. And I'm like, you're not working. (laughs) Just like under the trees at the lake. And I'm like, you son of a, there was people at barton springs doing that when we were there they're like just sitting out on laptops i was like these fools are working they're getting getting paid paid right now jerks (laughs) dude that's the one thing that we definitely don't have is hot weather and swimming and like man i was just telling my wife because we got labor day weekend three days off and she's like what do you want to do and i was like i don't want to get stuck in traffic that's number one and i don't want to go a crowded place that's number two but number three is I really want to go swimming somewhere where it's hot. And to do that, we got to go at go least far. an hour and a half, like yeah. maybe up to Sac or something. Yeah, I was going to say go up to Fresno but, or Sac or whatever is up there, the river up there. Yeah, or Auburn, like towards Tahoe is really good. But yeah. I feel like everyone's doing that this Yeah, weekend. everybody will be doing that, yeah. Yeah, so. Well, shit, man, it's good catching up with you. If you if you were going to put a certain song down as, as we leave, what song would you go to? I mean, I'll probably just go back to one of my favorite songs of all time, um, a Pixie song, Motorway, Motorway to Roswell. Oh, rad. It's a good song. I used to go to sleep to it, even though it's not a good song to go to sleep to. <laughs> I saw Pixies in Big Sur at the Henry Miller Outdoor in the Redwoods. It was that was mind, pretty awesome. Yeah. Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Yeah. It's one of the best. I couldn't believe it. Well, hell yeah, dude. Stay in touch. It's good catching up with you. Yeah, I'm glad we got to do this. It was fun. Hell yeah. I'll talk to you soon. I'll let you know when it's going to pop out or whatever. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Schmitty. Hell yeah. Thank you, Jake. Take care. All right. I will. You too. Later. Later. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Schmidt. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. When you subscribe, you'll get notifications every Tuesday of new episodes the minute they become available. 
Also, please leave reviews and a five-star rating. It's the best way to help the show grow. All of the episodes will always remain free, but if you would like to help support the show, you can do so at TalkingSchmidt.com, where you can pick up some merchandise like t-shirts, beanies, hats, and stickers. The website has an entire archive of all of the episodes, with extra photos and videos. Email us with any suggestions, comments, or ways that the show may have improved your life at TalkingSchmidt at gmail.com. All interviews are conducted, edited, and produced by Schmitty. The intro music is Mary's Cross by the band Nature. A very special shout-out goes to the executive director, Cheryl Camisa. Shout-out. Love it! This is Talking Schmidt, where the Rolodex is deep, but the conversation is deeper. Keep the wheels greased.